Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Yeah, yeah, it's a Tuesday on the fan, as always. Broadcasting live from the DriveHubler.com studios. It's the wake-up call with KB and Andy. Kevin Bowen, he's over there. I'm Andy Sweeney. Mark Dykton producing today's effort. It's Thanksgiving week. What a night last night. Uh, Indiana winners, Purdue winners, a great Monday night game as well. And then this morning, not only will we re, uh, obviously react to that, Rick Carlisle set to join the show, his normal two. Tuesday at 8 o'clock. The Pacers in action tonight. Uh, big game in Atlanta. Andrea Kramer going to join us at 8.30. Her conversation on HBO with Jim Irsay is already making some news and it's going to continue to making news uh, in the next coming uh, next you know few days or so. Dio Odangbo going to join us in the 8.40 slot. And Matt Taylor at 9 o'clock. KB, good morning. We are loaded on this Tuesday Thanksgiving week. We are. You know, I always feel this way when we get into this three-day week. It it tends to get crowded, and today is very crowded, but a very good crowded uh, as well. Rick Carlisle, like you said, in his normal slot, as I think we are all very curious to see not only how the Pacers bounce back, but again, this is your in-season tournament ramifications. You win, you clinch a spot into the final eight there. Uh, A lot of hoopage yesterday. Indiana keeps the ship afloat. While they continue to search for answers. I don't know if they found anything, but they continue to search. Uh, and then Purdue and Gonzaga uh, sets up you know, Purdue with, once again, just an absolutely loaded run here in the non-conference schedule. The Boilers win in a little different way. I want to get into that a little bit later. I don't know if they would have won that game last year, in particular with one player not really showing up for them at all. Uh, and then you know, when you look at those back-to-back guests that we're going to have in the 8 o'clock hour, Andrea Kramer and Dio Dangbo, you know, the 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 Dio one goes back a couple weeks. You know, he had the three sacks, Andy, against the Patriots, and I thought he had a chance to win Defensive Player of the Week. He ended up not winning it, but I think he's really come on in the last month or so. Um, and this is year three for him. Obviously, he had the torn Achilles leading into that 2021 draft, and uh, enjoy talking with him. So, yeah, I'm that- excited to talk to him. I mean, he, he's he's one of those guys, year three, if he can, you know, get it going a little bit, he's going to make him some money in the NFL. Without question. Yeah. And is a key, key piece, I've said it before, I think arguably the favorite draft pick of Chris Ballard uh, in his entire draft, they all, all seven of them, uh, when you look at just the intrigue that he had in taking Dio in the second round. And then Andrew Kramer at... 8.30. I think a lot of people will recognize her, certainly a Pro Football Hall of Famer, Emmy Award winning journalist, etc., etc. Uh, but, you know, Andy, you and I get a lot of these radio pitches. You know, these, uh, okay, you know, hey, uh, my client just wrote a book. Would you like to have them on? And it's always I'll, a baseball book, by the way. People wonder, like, I feel like seven out of ten times, it's a baseball book. And I would say 96 <laughs> out of 100, I just delete the email. Uh, sure, I know you do. But Andrea Kramer's name, first off, kind of stood out to me when I saw it in the subject line. And then, obviously, as I did a little bit more reading and got into the, oh, wow, um, this is Jim Irsay in, in a bit of a tell-all. I said to Mark, let's try and get Andrea Kramer on. Now, to be totally honest, I didn't realize we would get the amount of bombshells that we got. Uh, whether you saw the <laughs> snippet on social media last night or you know, we were fortunate to get a sneak peek clip of it, and Maddie and I actually watched it together last night. 
her jaw was on the floor about seven different times. <laughs> and the openness, um, the candid nature of Jim Irsay on a variety of topics. Um, I was stunned to see Peyton Manning make more than a cameo, several minutes of him talking about the owner and talking about the owner in ways I've never heard Peyton mm-hmm. talk about the owner. So uh, really, really looking forward to the Andrea Kramer interview coming up. At about 8.30, uh, we will play some of that audio. This is going to air tonight, 10 p.m. on HBO, for those that are looking to watch the full uh, interview. But um, it is Jim Irsay, really uh, unlike anything I've ever seen. Yeah, we're going to go from Andrea Kramer to uh, a star pass rusher for the Indianapolis Colts. It will have to do so seamlessly. KB, are you ready for that? Are you ready to put on your... Bear uh, with us, ra- Are you ready to put on your radio hat today? By the way, you're not wearing a mic guard. I- I've wondered that the I last know. couple days. So this What's- is the issue. I uh, um, Okay. I took it home with me. You don't want to use one of the ones that the other animals use? Well, you know, Jimmy Cook and lot, JMV and all these guys are using? A lot of stuff's going around. Uh, the, I, listen, I'm with you. The Bowen kids are dealing with it as well, <laughs> and Max has been it's been one of Max's favorite toys here over the last week, so um, the fact that the mic guard is more important for Max... Uh, so it, we can get new ones like a dollar for nothing, like 10 of them. Nothing sums up young parent than like, yeah, that toy means more to the one-year-old than I'm not going to bring it in. Well, you buy hundreds of dollars of toys and he wants the mic guard that costs exactly. two ninety nine. basically is what you're saying. Correct. Yeah, that, yeah. That's, that's what I figured. Well, I've looked over at you the last couple of days. You sound different in my ears. We can move on. I just, I was wondering. I feel if, a little naked Yeah, over I here. was wondering if you were trying something else. If you went to Knoxville and, it, and you're, <laughs> you, you toured their radio station and you thought, you know what, to hell with this mic guard. But I can understand basically. Basically, I'm sharing with Jake Query. So if if, oh if Jake comes down with any illness, uh, basically I live with Jake Query is what I'm is what I'm trying to say. Well, let's dive into it again. Uh, Carlisle coming up at eight. Kramer at about eight thirty. Dio's going to join us here at about eight forty. And then yeah, Matt Taylor. We'll take a breath cut. We'll take a smoke break, if you will. Matt Taylor will join us uh, at nine o'clock. The voice of the Colts here uh, on the fan on this Tuesday. Uh, Indiana keeps it afloat. I. I thought you said it the right way. Let's begin with the Hoosiers. Uh, where I was wrong the most from my pregame analysis yesterday, Kevin, to today, is I didn't think any of those guys on the bench, even against a stinky team like Louisville, could do what they did. What was it? 20 bench points in the first half, 30 for the game. Uh, you know I've been down on Sparks. He was good. Walker was good. You know, Banks did a little bit of everything. I thought LC- Banks might have been the best y- yeah, one I mean, I know C.J. Gunn had a couple plays, but you just look at those three guys specifically. When you had the issues in the first half, they helped you out, helped you out a little bit in the second half. You got to mix and match lineups. Uh, It wasn't pretty. It was a win. I I still have many of the same worries, but boy, if they would have lost that game, that would have been a game that you look back at in February and March and say, oh my God, if we could have beat that Louisville team by one point, it would have mattered a lot. Louisville drops past 150 in the Kampom, like I said they would. Yeah, and Andy, again, this is what we talked about yesterday of, and I'll probably make this analogy several times, can you keep the ship afloat while you search for answers? Because by no means did I watch 40 minutes of IU basketball yesterday and be like, oh, boom, they are fine. They're going to be Harvard by 30 coming up on Sunday. And, you know, they're going to, you know, they're going to upset Kansas here in a few weeks. But you've got to avoid the disaster. And yesterday would have been that on the resume. It yep. would have lo- just yep. don't think Louisville a name. You rattled off some of the teams around Louisville in your Ken Palm rankings. Uh, it is a mid-major type of opponent. Um, 
And so I, I think that is important to point out. And it is a win away from home. And when you do get to March, you hope you create a resume that will show up as one of the, you know, road neutral wins, even though it won't be, you know, whatever, a quad one win or a quad two Louisville's win. Louisville's at 147, Wright State's at 146, so you just played over the weekend. <laughs> Touche. There you go. That's <laughs> that's perfect. Yes, that worked out brilliantly. Yes, it did. It's like um, you looked that up before you said it. Good job. But when you mentioned the bench guys, you know, yesterday we had the debate, hey, do you make starting lineup? changes and I think we both looked at each other like wait who are you putting in the starting lineup no one has earned it and so that's where you look at yesterday and you know as I think as really inconsistent Anthony Walker the transfer from Miami's been early on you know him and Peyton Sparks like you said combined for 20 and 10 and Caleb Banks stuffs the stat sheet whether it's you know eight rebounds and three assists and three steals and three blocks you know plays to that athleticism and the length that he has and obviously a credit to Mike Woodson and certainly Louisville's ineptness uh, aided to it but when you threw the curveball of going zone Mm -hmm. this is what you see in college basketball there's many times throughout the course of a season, I'm watching a college basketball game, and a team plays man for whatever, 30-some minutes, 35 minutes, and either they come out of a timeout and they switch to zone for just a possession or two, or they do what Mike Woodson did yesterday, and they go zone the rest of the way, and the other team looks like they are literally <laughs> speaking Chinese. Like, they have no freaking idea well, Kenny Payne admitted how it. to handle it. He said he it. got fooled after the game, which for a fan base that wants him fired is, is about the worst thing he could have said. painful if you are a CARDS fan on this Tuesday morning. So, again, credit to Mike Woodson for saying, okay, we can't guard him. Warren loads of foul trouble. Let's just do something that's outside of his normal doing. I mean, that's not something sure. Mike Woodson does. To, well, the NBA, to, if you have an NBA pedigree, you ain't playing zone. To Kenny Payne's point, sure. you know, that, that is not something that Mike Woodson does. Uh, having said all of that, Andy, when I watched ESPNU yesterday, I thought I was watching <laughs> a play-in game for the CBI. I, I don't even know if I was watching a play-in game for the NIT. I'll go CBI. And then you flip over to Purdue-Gonzaga, right. and I feel like I'm watching a Sweet 16 Elite Eight game. Yeah, yeah. It, it's... I can't believe that that's where Indiana and Louisville are. Like that was on. If you if you're gonna say, hey, Kevin Bowen, sum up your biggest takeaway right. from yesterday. Both of them, not just I, you, B- both, both of them. And obviously yeah. Louisville, 100%. I, I, I think is in much worse shape than Indiana. But I just cannot believe that you know when I exited college a decade ago, Indiana's the number one seed in the tournament, and Tom Crean's got him here, and blah blah blah. Louisville wins a national title that year. Yeah, and now this is where we are <laughs> at. Um, and then Purdue on the flip side, I mentioned it earlier. The big thing for me from yesterday with Purdue, Andy, is look at Fletcher Lawyer. Mm-hmm. Last year, you were in such a we have got to have really both freshman guards deliver, but in particular, Fletcher Lawyer as more of the score, more as your consistent shooting threat. He was great early in the season and really tailed off. And yesterday, he goes 0 of 6. Uh, he was pretty much benched. And again, last year, Andy, if Lawyer goes 0 of 6, if Purdue can't throw it in the ocean from 3... They which, lose the game by 10. Which they really could. Yeah, they, they lose 73 They had more turnovers and assists yesterday. If those three boxes would have been checked last year, Purdue loses that game. And to your point, not only do they win it, but they win it by double digits. And late in the game... Well, obviously, Brainsmith doing a little bit of everything per usual, and Zach Eady's dominant stat line stand out. I thought the two newcomers kind of put the game on ice, and whether it was the two threes by Miles Colvin, and I almost feel like we're reaching a point with Colvin, it's like, 
wait a minute, can he shoot? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it's now like 60% through five games, and I don't know if this 58 is just... per, 58% through the, the first, what, five games, like yeah. you said. 58%. And that was like the question on him entering college, and then again, Lance Jones, uh, a couple big force turnovers there late, uh, and I thought he kind of steadied the ship when you did you know, go moments where either Edie and Smith were off the floor, or again, Lawyer was struggling, uh, and Purdue continues to be just outstanding in the non-conference, and with the nightcap of Kansas and Marquette both winning, that means no matter what happens today for Purdue, they'll get Tennessee tonight at 8 o'clock. If they win or lose, they will play a team that's ranked higher than Tennessee, their mm-hmm. opponent today. Kansas is one. Marquette is four. They'll either see that team, uh, either Kansas or Marquette, they'll see them either in the championship game on Wednesday or the third-place game on Wednesday. So Purdue will officially get three games in Maui, all against top, uh, what is it, 11 teams. I, yeah, I really want Dickinson versus Edie just because it's going to be so throwback college basketball <laughs> with two massive bigs in there battling it. You know, I remember one time at Mackey. Oh, it's fantastic. I, Dickinson, I think that was when he found the three ball. Is that Was that it? One he of those shoot games, it a little bit. Yeah, one of those games. I think it was the Mackey game. I don't know if it was last year. It might have been two years ago. Uh, but yeah, Kansas beat Shamanah last night. Marquette beats UCLA by two. So Purdue's non-conference will have these three top 10 games in Maui. Then also, again, they're going to get Arizona over here at Gamebridge in a few weeks. Another loaded non-conference schedule. And Matt Painter's bunch uh, gets a win over the Zags. Uh, two things that stood out to me. Number one, not having the normal stadium where there's like 15 I rows. Was, that, that was kind of a bummer. Yeah, yeah. to me, I viewed it that way and obviously the, the tragedy that has happened around there to still even you know have a tournament over there uh, is unbelievable. And you know what this, you know this Purdue win just made me think of? And it, you know, Matt Painter after the game talked about it where it wasn't their best game and they had to kind of grind out the game and you know, some guys had to step up and not until kind of the latter parts of the game did he feel like they were in any sort of a rhythm. But in Colts fans know this, and Indiana fans, it's been a while, okay? And Purdue fans have lived this now for the last several years. Colts fans, it's been a few years, but again, the Manning era and some of the Andrew Luck era. Uh, I would say me and Mark have waited about a decade, so we may not remember how this is. But when you're a good team, you can beat other teams when you're not playing your best. And, like, you don't take a win like that for granted last night from Purdue, right? Like, like you're that good. Right. You're that good that you can be a little bit off. You can trail in the game on a yeah, neutral they're, they're floor. They're down at halftime. Yeah, yeah, you can be down at halftime, and you can come back and win. And, by the way, in the net rankings, winning by double digits, that's always a nice thing. Uh, in the net rankings, they've said as much. So, I, I mean, that's just one of those games you don't take for granted being a good team and being to simply outlast and be better when it matters another pretty good team. I don't know what the upside totally is for this Zags team. They've lost so much the last couple years. You know, I was telling you before, before we went on the air, you know, the only guy I remember following just like a ton was Nolan Hickman, right? And he's he's a fine player for them. But uh, Purdue, the, the other thing is, if anyone knows the Purdue fan that was there with the Pharaoh outfit. Oh, gosh. There are a couple I, of Purdue I, fans I, that I'm I, thinking I, myself, 
I would. I, I what did they do for a, I, I a living? Yeah, it was my first thought. I, I want to know: was that in his carry-on? Was that in a checked bag? Did TSA? If anyone knows the guy that was wearing, is it the Pharaoh headdress? Was is that, that the, the Boiler Bill on Twitter <laughs> that, that always is coming after? Who told us? me to get to Tiller's Tuttle? Yeah, it might be, but I just that man in the Pharaoh headdress. He may have won Thanksgiving weekend on a two on a Monday night. He may have won Thanksgiving Day the entire weekend. I think Purdue fans probably get this. More more than you know, most. I don't know how much the casual fan knows that Purdue has done it because again, it's so March focused with them. But Andy, yesterday they beat Gonzaga by double digits. Last year they beat him by twenty yeah. on a neutral floor. Just look at the list of teams they've beaten away from Mackey over the last couple of years. Gonzaga twice, Duke, Nova, Carolina. Even if you want to look, West I mean, Virginia, last, I think was the yeah, uh, was year, the first game of that tournament. Last year, Marquette, West Virginia, yeah, yeah all again, these games. Marquette and Xavier were at Mackey, but still, I mean, the amount of oh, teams they are beating away from home. And last year in the Portland tournament, they rolled some of those teams. So it, it just is astonishing what they continue to do away from home. So the Boilers tonight, they've got Tennessee again. That will be eight o'clock in the semifinals. Uh, the five o'clock championship game is on Wednesday. I wish that was still in that ten o'clock slot. I love the late night Thanksgiving Eve, Black Wednesday Eve, if you will. Uh, but unfortunately, Maui's bumped that up to the five o'clock championship game. If they lose tonight, it'll actually be a two thirty start time for the third place game on Wednesday. Uh, but Purdue will have two more big time games from Honolulu again. Pacers and Hawks. That is a seven thirty tip tonight. The Hawks a slight favorite in that one. As the Pacers will have a back to back, they'll be home tomorrow night against the Raptors. Uh, we do have a notable Colts news item to get to as well here on this Tuesday morning. Thank you for spending it with us. Loaded eight o'clock hour guest wise. It is the wake up call of KB and Andy here on 93.5-1075, The Fan. The Morning Checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Yeah, your Morning Checkdown. Remember, uh, it's going to be busy here. Rick Carlisle going to join us at 8 o'clock. Andrea Kramer at 8.30. Dio Odangbo going to join us at 8.40 or so. Matt Taylor in the 9 o'clock hour. So it's going to be it's gonna be a pit stop here uh, over the next hour and a half or so. But let's react to last night. Let's begin with Purdue. I call them the varsity of what we saw last night. Number two, Purdue over number 11. Gonzaga, 73-63. Matt Painter postgame on the win. <laughs> I thought um, you know, the start of the second half was key for us, um, getting some transition baskets, getting some steals. I thought we had some active hands at that time, and uh, I think that kind of set the tone for us in the second half. The other difference um, I thought was their inability to make threes in the second half. They stretched us out a little bit. They were 6 for 19 from 3 um, in the first half, and then they were 0 for 13 from 3 in the second. And uh, that really obviously helped us. I thought our guys did a good job of defending, uh, making it difficult. Gotta love this Braden Smith stat line. 13 points, 6 assists, 5 steals, 4 boards for the Westfield product. Again, Fletcher Lawyer doesn't shoot it well. Purdue doesn't really shoot it great from 3 either. Uh, a lot of turnovers, but yet they still win by 10 on a neutral floor. It'll be Tennessee tonight, 8 o'clock. That is the number 7 ranked team in the nation in typical Tennessee fashion. They're deep, got some transfers, uh, and then it'll be either Kansas or Marquette to cap the Maui tournament for Purdue on Wednesday. All right, elsewhere in college basketball yesterday, obviously Indiana. They uh, beat Louisville there with a flurry really to end the game. Uh, there are some shaky moments for the first 30 minutes or so. 
But they go on, uh, was it 13 to 2? Does that sound right? Yeah, I mean, they were down 7 at one point. It looked like it was bad shape yeah, I think for it was Indiana. 13 2 run there to end it for the Hoosiers. Uh, they went zone late. That was a big, big difference in that one. Uh, Andy, what else stood out to you? Bench wise, uh, that probably was, uh, I would say, the biggest thing you walk away from and say, all right, can you try and build off that? Bench has been really quiet this season. Uh, I would say those things. Go in zone and uh, and big time bench minutes by several guys. Uh, critical in Indiana avoiding what would have been a very poor yeah, loss. Yeah, Kevin, if you look at it, Florida Gulf Coast, seven points the bench scored in that game. In the Army game, 12 points. In the Wright State game, 14 points. Last night, 20 in the first half, 30 in the game. I did not think, quite frankly, this bench had it in them, even against a bad opponent. They've played, again, mid-majors. Wright State and Louisville are right next to each other in the Ken Palm, and you had 14 bench points. Now, I know you may say, well, bench points can be overrated. I get it, but it's not like everyone in the starting lineup is also on fire for Indiana. I think the negative has to be, it has to continue to be McKenzie and Baco. Yeah. I, I mean, just... Is the NIL refundable? Just, uh, n- no, it's not. Uh, knowing some people that have been burned on that... <laughs> he looks like a guy who should be giving refundable. back his NIL well, at this point. You know, yeah, I, I mean, there are still questions. You know, Indiana still can't shoot, and guard play They made 1-3 last night. I would say of major question, McKenzie Mbako also falls into that category. I know Mike Woodson is playing the, you know, you have too high expectations on the five-star. Andy, he hasn't even looked like a one-star early in the season. Well, they don't know where to play him. He, I don't know if he looks lackadaisical. He's not defending. He's not scoring. Uh, I mean, there I were a he couple... he two fouls before he ESPN did. had flashed up the starting lineup graph. Oh, no, he did. I mean, he had him in the first couple minutes. And I know he only took three of them, and this is maybe going to be his game. But, you know, Indiana has momentum. A guard drives the lane. Xavier Johnson drives the lane. He kicks it out. Mackenzie and Baco for three is not a good shot. <laughs> it's not a shot I feel like is ever going to go in for Indiana. I hope we have time to get to it today. There was was a great clip. Victor Oladipo was at the game yesterday, post game. I thought he had a really profound message uh, to his former school, if you will, uh, former team uh, in the post game locker room. We'll try to sneak that in at some point today. Uh, all right, tonight in Atlanta, seven thirty tip. It will be the Pacers and Hawks. Hawks are a slight favorite in that in this one, three and a half. Last I saw, uh, two teams that certainly love to get up and down the floor. Obviously, Trey Young and Tyrese Halliburton, two of the better combo score and passing point guards in the league. Very, very curious, Andy, to see the response from the Pacers. Rick Carlisle going to join us here in about a half hour. Again, if Indiana wins tonight, they clinch a final eight spot in the uh, in-season tournament here. They would win Group A. Uh, So that is the opportunity for the Pacers tonight as they play their first game since getting a run off the floor against the Magic on Sunday. Yeah, quickly in the NFL. We wrapped up the week in the NFL last night. Eagles over the Chiefs. I told you to take the Eagles uh, in the two and the two and a half. Mahomes had a chance. A dropped pass. Oh, I'm, man. I'm gonna, a couple of dropped passes. Dro- well, God. they lead the NFL. and It's crazy. I mean, the numbers of dropped passes, it's up in what, damn near the 30s right now for the Chiefs. I, I'm going to say this, and it's going to sound like I'm being a hot take or a hot take artist, but I'm not. I believe the offensive roster for the Chiefs has completely left let, let Mahomes down. 
Like, like I just don't think it's that good. He is elevating yeah, they're just everything around him. Wide out. No, I mean, even wide out. But, I mean, listen, I know, uh, Pache- uh, well, how do you say it, Pacheco? Like, he's fine. Like, he's a, he's a good player. They went to Jarek McKinnon a lot last year down the stretch and in the playoff run. He hasn't done anything. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire they took in the first round. He is not worth being on the roster. I mean, that's not a wide guy who would... Wide issue. Yeah, I think Pacheco's a fine they, running they back. They tried with Kadarius Tony and Tony, listen, the Giants thought Tony was good. The Chiefs have now thought Tony's good. Guess what? He's not good. Val, uh, Valdez Scantling, he's not very good. I mean, you bring back Hardman, he's whatever. I mean, they have Rasheed Rice. I, listen, I like him. He seems to be a fine player, but he ain't a number one. I, I don't know what it, I'm not, you know, they won the Super Bowl last year and they very well could be back there this year, but it just seems like you talk about who would be an MVP every year. Well, it would be Mahomes because he is having to elevate a bunch of B minus C level offensive players. I mean, there are maybe there might be twenty teams that have a better wide receiving core right now than the Kansas City Chiefs. That's oh, not would, a hot take to say. No, I'd say frankly at least twenty teams. Uh, with that loss last night, Baltimore now the one seed in the AFC. As we get ready for Week Twelve, three games on Thanksgiving: Jets and Dolphins, Black Friday. Everyone's playing this week. Uh, it is a loaded slate here coming up to close out the month of November. All right, in about an hour, we're going to have Andrea Kramer join us. On the other side, we will play a clip from her uh, Beyond Enlightening interview with Jim Ursay. Ursay, extremely candid on his addiction battles, um, certainly a near-death experience. Um, just some very kind of jaw-dropping moments. I was able to catch a glimpse at the HBO special that will play tonight. Real Sports, Andrew Kramer interviewing Jim Irsay again on a variety of topics. So we'll play a little snippet of that coming up on the other side. Also get into um, an unfortunate Colts news item yesterday with one of their young players that I think a lot of people thought could have a breakout season this year. We'll do that next here. It's Wake Up Call with KB and Andy on... Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 93.5 All right, KB's going to tell you what he learned uh, out of Colts uh, practice yesterday. We'll get into that. Shane Steichen did meet with the media. And coming up here at the top of the hour, we're going to get busy. Rick Carlisle going to be joining us at 8 o'clock. Andrea Kramer going to join us at 8.30. Dio Odangbo going to join us at 8.40. Matt Taylor coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. Uh, you were out there yesterday. I know you have a piece of Colts news we want to get to. And we have this sound. Do you want to set this up, KB? Uh, the sound, the little snippet, what is it, about 45 seconds, maybe 60 seconds, Mark, uh, to get yeah. you uh, the tease, if you will, for tonight's program on HBO at 10 o'clock. Some yeah. pretty great stuff. Yeah, again, we're going to have Andrew Kramer on here in a little bit to discuss her interview with Jim Irsay, and you can catch this tonight, 10 o'clock on HBO. We were sent a link last night, so we're able to get um, a glimpse at it. It was um, it was pretty jaw dropping, honestly, to say the least. Um, I actually watched it with Maddie, and I not only find myself kind of in awe at some of the candid nature from Jim Irsay, 
Uh, but certainly, Maddie is someone that you know doesn't really know the full, full backstory of Jim Irsay. Um, his family, um, addiction running through his family, particularly with his father. Um, but this snippet from uh, yesterday, again, Andrea Kramer going to join us coming up at 8.30. But here was a clip that they released yesterday on social media from her interview with Jim Mercer. For Jim Mercer, owner of the NFL's Indianapolis Colts, it may look like just another day at the office. But in fact, it's miraculous he's even alive today after years of addiction nearly destroyed his life. How many times did you go into rehab? Oh God, at least 15 times. Have you actually ever overdosed? Oh yeah, one time. I, I was trying to detox myself um, and, I, and I mixed, uh, you know, multiple drugs that, that, that I didn't know anything about. And so all of a sudden I start slurring my words and then um, cold blue, I stopped breathing. And they revived me and the doctor goes, um, Jim, you're one lucky man because I had signed virtually the death certificate. <laughs> I mean, how's that for a tease? Yeah, uh, and honestly, that is just a small snippet of some of the comments that Jim Mercer had yesterday. I think we'll call probably, I don't know, 2013, 14, he was arrested in Carmel, um, was adamant that the reason that he was arrested was because of um, prejudice against a white billionaire, which was a comment that I certainly had to Kind of get a little cock out of the head when I heard that one. Andrea Kramer offered an, a chance for Jim Mercer to clarify those comments. Yeah, he didn't need to clarify. Um, I don't he give doubled a down. I, yeah, he doubled I, down. I, I might be paraphrasing a little bit here, but something to the effect of "I don't give a damn what people think." On that, um, not sure if that will go over too too well on it. Um, but I, I would say a lot of what you're going to see tonight, and we'll talk with Andrea again coming up at eight thirty, is. You know, explaining you know how and why Jim Mercer is who he is, and so much of that stems from, unfortunately, his father battling addiction. Um, you know, he lost his sister uh, to a car accident when she was a teenager. I lost his brother as well. Um, you couple, uh, obviously, a lot of fame mm-hmm. on top of all of this. Um, it is a very, very eye-opening thirty minutes. I was stunned to see Peyton Manning make as big of a cameo as he did. Manning was in it for several minutes, answering several questions very directly related to Ursay and his struggles. And, you know, Peyton, Andy, I view him as such a politician wanting to stay away oh, sure. from all of that stuff. I was stunned to see Peyton uh, do that. So I encourage everyone out there not only to you know, certainly check out Andrea with us coming up here in less than an hour, but if you have the uh, ability to stream HBO, uh, certainly do that tonight. You know, the thing that sticks out, and we'll move, there's some Colts news, and, and obviously the Pacers coming up tonight. Indiana won last night. Purdue won last night. We did a lot of that in segment number one. You know, for, for me... I am interested in asking Andrea, or you asking Andrea, why now? I mean, wasn't it in the release that for years, I think Andrea Kramer told the Indy Star, if I'm not mistaken, that for years uh, she has been trying to get an interview with Ursay. So why, you know, why now? Yeah, agreed. At, at, yeah. at, at this at this point, she what's actually, different? She actually showed a clip of from. <laughs> 36 years ago oh, man. Yeah. her interviewing Ursa. Yeah. You know, this yeah. is back when Ursa was a GM and, sure. and a little bit more in that role. Um, you know, I'm curious what 
It doesn't seem like it based off the answers. Was there anything off limits? It seemed like no. I mean, I know he got angry. You know, he raised his voice. The the arrest is, listen, the arrest a decade ago is going to be the lead here locally. You would agree with that. And there will be people who will give takes and opinions on Jim Ursay. I, I find watching Ursay from 90 minutes down the road for so many years, yeah, I find Ursay to be a really complicated figure, right? Because, you know, I, I feel like for the most part, players that have been here and, you know, players that he has paid and players that he has had a relationship with, I feel like really like Jim, Jim Irsay in a lot of ways, right? Uh, I think he wants to win. I think he has won, but I think he also wants to win. Now, we can debate whether, you know, he's doing the right things, whether keeping Chris Ballard, whether drafting Anthony Richardson, whether signing Jonathan Taylor. We can get into all of that, but I do feel like, you know, he really wants to win in the fiber of, of who he is. And then you have all of the personal stuff, the personal demons. It's one reason, was it during the Daniel, it was the Daniel Snyder stuff where Ursay really stood up. Is like we need to get our, you know Daniel Snyder basically out of here. And he's doing that because Jim Ursay has lived that life. He has lived the life of you guys can say whatever the hell you want to say about me. It's okay. I have been to hell and back. Right. I have been to rehab and back. I have fought demons that if you want to say something bad in the press about me standing up and saying we need to get Daniel Snyder out of here, and I don't know that was you know partially to me commendable. I mean Daniel Snyder should not have been an owner in the NFL. Uh, the the donations and the programs and those things need not be forgotten, but but also he will say things that that are wrong. <laughs> he will say things that are either wrong uh, or or a lightning bolt or something like talking about his arrest the other day. So I find him to be an interesting figure. I find him to be a complicated figure and I can't wait to see the 30 minutes tonight as uh, no doubt there's going to be around here locally some rolling of the eyes. There'll be some anger. They'll also be like, this guy's done this, this, and this. Sure. But it's been good for the community and that's what goes into a complicated figure and there's no one more complicated than Jim Irsay. Yeah, there are so <laughs> many philanthropic no parts to Jim Irsay that we even don't hear about. You know, for example, Rick Carlisle had an announcement last week, Andy, that he really wanted to spearhead helping out homelessness mm-hmm. here in the city of Indianapolis and and I'm pretty sure I have these details right, but basically they're going to distribute around a thousand meals a week, and these are meals not necessarily of like here's your box lunch or box dinner. It's more of meals to help you learn how to cook and now have a meal that can last you know whatever a couple yeah, of nights. Driving dish. I was actually going to ask him about it. If yeah, that's okay at eight o'clock. And, yeah, and you know I won't get too too into the weeds of the story, but basically he was going to kind of pair up with Frank Reich on this. Well, you know Frank Reich gets fired, and so just naturally that kind of falls apart a little bit. At least the cult side of it. Well, Jim Mercer gets wind of this, and Jim Mercer's like, whoa, 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 I want to make sure that I'm helping out. Uh, but not you know, necessarily, you know, hey, I want my name on it. This is still going to be Rick Carlisle's saying. So Jim Mercer donates a substantial amount of money to help Rick Carlisle, help the Pacers get this started. Obviously, the Kicking the Stigma mm-hmm. initiative, which you see very public. Uh, my wife actually was at an event last night that she heard Kaylin Ursay speak to that. So the Colts do a lot of this. And I'm curious, like, is any of this Kramer interview some of that. I mean, watching it, and Mark, I know you were able to mm-hmm. watch as well. I didn't get like a whole lot of the promotion of the kicking the stigma aspect to it. That's kind of where I thought it was going. It was more just of a let's try to explain why the complexities are there for Jim Irsay. 
Yeah, they were recording at the Ursay concert. That's where they did a lot of the Yeah, interview. down at Lucas Oil for the kickoff concert at his house. And they talked about his family history with his brother being institutionalized. So that's also where I was kind of like, okay, where's that's where the kicking, the stigma stuff kind of comes from, originates. Right. Is trying to get that situated and stuff. But yeah, it's just more of like kind of just a, a tell-all and kind of just like, yeah, it's trying to explain Jim Ursay as best they can. If nothing else, it is a big-time peel of the curtain back. Like, mm-hmm. even agree, disagree, right. mad, sad, right. pleased with what he does from a philanthropic you know, standpoint. If nothing else, you're going to get Jim Ursay, who naturally is very candid for an NFL owner and puts himself out there. Clearly, you're going to get a lot of, like, whoa type of moments. I mean, I... I knew some of that stuff, but even myself looked at it and was like, damn. You and the wife watch it together. What a, what a romantic night on the couch. What time did you hit play yeah, on the interview? Was it? It 10 was o'clock, about, 11 it was o'clock? About five minutes to go in the first okay. half of the Chiefs Eagles. <laughs> Chiefs Eagles, you know. So you li- you I, lined I, it up I, with the halftime then. I think Caitlin Clark had just got done on the Manning cast. <laughs> gotcha. And that's where Caitlin Clark, by the way, was fired up about her Chiefs there. I can yeah. only imagine watching all the drops she had to witness. Seven and three. There in the second half. Uh, one Colts item to get to from yesterday, Andy, for the 2023 team. Uh, Jelani Woods. Yeah. Uh, um, we have not seen him all this year. The update from Shane Steichen yesterday that he has had a setback in the other hamstring injury. So one hamstring has kept him off the field since whatever it was, late July. Now he's had a setback with the other hamstring. Shane Steichen did not say this yesterday, but I think it's probably safe to say, Andy, we have seen, well, we will not see Jelani Woods here in 2023. And that's a disappointment. He was a guy that there was intrigue when you drafted him. He was a guy that provided some intrigue late last season. I remember the Steelers' Monday night game. He was outstanding. Uh, One of the few bright spots as that season closed out with Jeff Saturday. And you thought to yourself, is he a guy that could emerge at tight end? Because that's what you want. You want someone to kind of take the stranglehold of that group. If you look at it this year, Andy, you've got none of it. None of it. Uh, I think 15 catches, 16 catches might be the high for a player in that group, and that would be Kylan Granson. You kind of know what Mo Cox is going to be at this point, um, and you now are going to get to the halfway point of Jelani Woods's you know rookie contract, and you will have only seen him for you know 13, 14 games in his rookie season. I never would have believed when I started here, and you were down at, at camp with Jake, and you guys were you were picking up dung off the uh, off the ground. That is my introduction yes, uh, to a Kevin Bowen. Dung, and like, right. What the hell am I getting <laughs> in, into? In his yeah. radio mm-hmm. career, you want to paint that picture? Well, a little I mean, bit more. I like Jelani Woods, and I was, and I, you know, Jelani Woods was one of those guys that I was like, okay, like I think this guy could be something. When you looked at the roster from afar, you looked at Anthony Richardson, and everyone knows what Pittman can do, and everyone you know, knows what Jonathan Taylor is all about. And yet such high hopes for a guy like Josh Downs and Kenny Moore and Buckner. Like I can go down the list, but one of the young guys that you were hoping to see, like to me, it's a, it's not, I don't want to say it's a big deal because they played without him all season. And even last season, you're right. I mean, it wasn't to the back end of the season, you know, 60, 70% through the season that he started to kind of, you know, show flashes and emerge if you will, but I, I mean, you were hoping to take a little bit of momentum last year into into this year, and you hate to say it, but the tight end group for the Colts is pretty extra regular. 
right? I mean, it is. And in fact, a lot of those guys, maybe Mallory's would be the only one, that there's just not a lot of upside with those guys. You kind of know what they are, and there's nothing wrong with it. They're solid players. They're players that you can keep a guy like Granson who can get you, you know, 25 catches a year, 30 catches a year. There's nothing, you know, he can block. He made the big block in the New England game that really won the game when Taylor got into the end zone. So there's nothing wrong with that, but you need something that pops. And it's like Indiana's guards. At some point, you need something that's going to pop. You need some sort of firepower. And Jelani Woods was at least an option that he could be that. And him being done for the season, you know, this is, um, think about this for a second. I've been whispering in KB's ear over this. Well, what's going on with Jelani Woods? And you asked the question yesterday, did you not? Like, what's going on with Jelani Woods? Like, no one no one says anything. It was just a hamstring injury. You would imagine he'd be back. And now, now you're going to miss him the entire season when you're trying to find out. You know, you found out, you think you pretty much, you got a left tackle, Zaire Franklin. Uh, we're going to talk to to Dio here uh, coming up in about 40 minutes. You feel good with him. All these pieces, Josh Downs, you feel great about him as a rookie in this league. You're trying to check those boxes. You've mentioned that. Check the boxes on building a team. You were hoping Jelani Woods would be a box you would be able to check at some point this season, and it's not going to happen. Well, I think where there's a little bit more disappointment for Woods versus like a Nick Cross, uh, both third round picks from two years ago Andy this he plays a position that directly impacts Anthony Richardson and you know when you look at Josh Downs yes you are very excited and and you're thinking so okay Michael Pittman you know do you re-sign him you know okay Jonathan Taylor you know he's going to be here for the next couple of years where at tight end on paper entering the season it was like he's a possibility he's a cheap possibility Mm -hmm. and He's already in house. Whereas when we talk about whiteout, a lot of it's kind of do you have to go outside the building? Oh, you're gonna have to, to really right. bolster that group. So I think that's where some of the disappointment is. Plus, when you drafted him, you knew there was a bit of rawness to it. Like you, you know, Bernard Ryman was another third round pick that year. There was a little bit of a hey, we're gonna draft him. A position switch happened just a few years ago. We got to play him to knock off all that rust. Similar with Woods. Mm-hmm. Remember, Woods was a quarterback initially at Oklahoma State transferred to UVA and you know he had and I would think I think I just think I remember Matt Ryan yelling at Jelani Woods at training camp last season <laughs> and it was one of those rare kind of Matt Ryan moments where he got a little public and got a little demonstrative with the young tight end but Woods will admit to you now he was a bit lost in training camp and so I think it's just important for guys like that they just need reps. They need to play. Even if it doesn't yeah, go they need swimmingly play. well, they just need to be on the field. So, um, again, a bummer on that end. I, I like. I don't know how it changes his future here. If it's well, you know, next year he'll he'll go into camp. I don't know if his leash is as long. I don't know I'd if tight end is something they need to draft or go look yeah, I, to improve. Like they do need to improve. I think you that keep position. It on the list. I still would like to see Drew Ogletree just stay healthy for. a the final seven games and see what's there. See what that, that's do. one that I still uh, want to make sure that we keep the door open a little bit on. May I upset um, Kevin for just one second. Uh-oh. Halftime shows for this year's Thanksgiving Day games reported by Adam Schefter. <laughs> Packers lines, you get Jack Harlow. 49ers yeah, at Seahawks, you get Steve Aoki. Commanders at Cowboys, Dolly Parton. You know, <laughs> e- e- even Peyton last night in the Manning cast couldn't fully defend it. He, he wanted to. 
But he, you know, oh he, wow, you, you better know. watch out. Yeah, he, he was trying to carry some water uh, again. He's last the he's the politician. He can't really have. He doesn't want to have a big opinion on such things. So Let, if, let's map out. Uh, okay, yeah, eight go o'clock ahead. hour because it's going to get it's busy gonna get here. Wild Rick Carlisle going to join us on the other side, um, and then Andrea Kramer coming up, who did the Jim Mercy interview around eight thirty ish. Hopefully, a little bit before that. Then we'll transition right away to Dio Adangbo after her after his three sack performance and the Colts back to work. So we'll get to Dio coming up a little bit later in the 8 o'clock hour. So it's loaded coming up for the next hour. Thanks for spending it with us. It is the Wake Up Call with KB. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. And Andy on 93.5107.5 The Fan. All right, it's going to be a busy 8 o'clock hour hanging out with you on the fan live from the drivehubler.com studios. Pacers head coach Rick Carlisle going to join us here in just a second. Andrea Kramer going to join us in a half an hour. She is the PC interview with Jim Ursay. And then Dio Odangbo, uh, sack master number 54, going to join us at about 8.40. Matt Taylor in the 9 o'clock hour. So let's get it going. Pacers head coach Rick Carlisle joining us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Coach, good morning. Morning. How are you today, sir? I'm okay. How are you guys doing? Uh, we are fantastic. You know, before we dive into the basketball, the Orlando game, obviously, and look forward to tonight in Atlanta, I wanted to give you a chance just publicly again, I guess, uh, first time on our air on the show here, to talk about Drive and Dish, the program uh, to defeat hunger here in Marion County. Uh, it struck me, some of your quotes talking about hunger being a moral issue, and I saw this stuff yesterday, and I thought I have to ask Coach if we have him on Tuesday uh, to just tell his side of the story and how, uh, why he wanted to get this initiative going. So I wanted to give you a chance to do it, something that seems uh, pretty awesome for the uh, for the community, Coach. Well, thank you for that. I, uh, you know, This is an opportunity to address a problem that is not just a Marion County problem, but it's a, it's a countrywide, worldwide problem. But more specifically, uh, 25% of Marion County is affected by food insecurity and it's not that there isn't food available it's it has more to do uh, where we live with the inability to get the food to the right people in the right places and so uh, when I first got here two plus years ago I got with Corey Wilson who's uh, our VP of community relations and, and and I said, look, what it, what are the needs here? What are some things that we could do? We, we talked about a lot of different things. I believe there's an article out um, by Greg Doyle, who mm-hmm. was at the press conference last week, who who mentioned that originally this was something I was going to be doing with Frank. And when when he was let go, we had to we had to change change course a little bit. But um, Steve Simon, one of our owners, um, stepped up big. The Colts organization stepped up big. Um, Pacers Foundation stepped up big. Um, a gentleman that I've met you know, over the past year that was just interested in getting involved with so- something with the Pacers in the community named Clay South, who uh, is, a, uh, is a gentleman that served in Iraq and has an amazing story. Um, you know, he was in a room where a grenade went off. He was actually shot in the face. 
um, and it, has had over 150 surgeries, and, and he now leads a company called USA Upstar, which is a worldwide disaster relief uh, company, and he lives um, near Greenwood, and so he's become a friend and a supporter, uh, along with Mark Boyle, um, the voice of the, the Pacers, and a gentleman named Joe Sunderman, who uh, owns all the local uh, Penn Station uh, sub shops. So, you know, we've got over $500,000 committed for, for this year. Um, you know, I've done all the all the, 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 the walkthroughs and the run-throughs as to how the logistics of this are going to work. Uh, Gleaners is is uh, an organization that's extreme is going to be extremely helpful, and 913 Logistics is is going to be the our, our point people for delivering the food. And so, that's great. As I've said, as I've said, I, I you know my my goal uh, I, I would love for this to be a million dollar a year effort um, in Marion County. I believe we can do it. I know there's there's a lot of great companies, corporations in Indianapolis that, uh, that may want to get involved, um, that, that are in a, in a, in a strong position financially, and we would love the help. So, uh, thanks for giving me that couple of minutes. Um, we're excited about the program. Everything starts in, in, in January on January 15th. So, um, it that's should great. be very good. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, we'll have a Mark retweet that from the Pacers in the drive and dish initiative there, Rick Carlisle spearheading that here locally um coaches you looked back on sunday and i guess either broke down film late sunday night or early monday uh what were you left with exiting that performance against orlando when you stink you stink um and it's on all of us we all own it um very very disappointing um you know a lot of people are coming up with a lot of reasons why it why it happened um you know long layoff sitting on a big win for four and a half days whatever um in the stage that we're in you know we're you know we're, we're, we're in a in a situation now where it's a discovery situation we're learning things about this team um i didn't like what we learned uh, about that game and uh you know i'm as responsible for anybody so we're looking to turn the page. You know, we're in Atlanta tonight um, with an opportunity to get another in-season tournament win. It's going to be a very difficult game. Uh, Atlanta's a very good team that is sitting on two losses and have been for three days uh, sitting here preparing for us. And so we got our hands full. But, uh, you know, with a, with a young team that is looking for opportunities to play in meaningful games, um, this game in Atlanta couldn't come at a better time. As a coach, and again, Rick Carlisle with us here, as he said, uh, from Atlanta right now. It's a 7.30 tip, Pacers and Hawks, as they go for the in-season clinch here of the top spot in Group A tonight. Um, As a coach, is that something you like to sit there and you want your team to literally sit down and watch like film with you and you're going, I I don't know, piece by piece, or you really want to, you know, break down a lot of film from the game? Is that something you like to flush? How do you treat, you know, rare, rare occurrences like what you saw on Sunday? It varies. It's not always the the, the same. Um, You know, yesterday we were up against it a bit time-wise. We had an early departure because of Atlanta traffic, and I like to get the team settled in a new city um, earlier than later. And so, you know, yesterday our focus was on Atlanta. We're going to do a film, you know, a a not-too-long film session at our meeting this morning addressing – 
you know, it's really, we've got to approach this as a, a teaching opportunity. And, you know, with, with today's players, it's important to, sh- to show them what it should look like, um, why things happen, and how to fix them. Um, one of the really disappointing things is to be able to make adjustments from game one to game two of that Philly miniseries last week. Um, have you know one of the biggest wins we've had you know the whole time I've been here uh, last Tuesday night, and then to lay an egg like we did on Sunday. And so you know there's there's a teaching opportunity here. We got to stay positive with these guys, um, but a lot of it's going to be look here here's here's what happened. Here's here's why it obviously why it can't happen, <laughs> and then you know here's our third team playing their ass off in the fourth quarter and, you know, making up, a, you know, a lot of this huge deficit. And they're doing the things that we should have been doing right from the jump. So we'll, we'll take a short look at it, um, and then we've got to get ready for tonight. This might be a corny thing that fans say, and, and I don't know, and Rick Carlisle with us here on The Fan, was it them just dealing with praise, a young team that got pats on the back for a couple days after that big win in, in Philly? Do you think that led into what you saw on Sunday? It's hard to say, Andy. I, you know, I, I could sit here and make up that excuse, sure. and you know, you know, plenty, plenty of others. Um, but you know, I, it's just it, it's simply a, a fact that it's 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 one game. It was embarrassing. You know, there was some booing from a crowd that you know has, has been phenomenal for us. And and on the other hand, in the fourth quarter. A lot of the people that stayed around in the fourth quarter <laughs> were chanting defense, defense <laughs> when, you know, Jarris and, uh, you know, and Shepard and um, Wara was out there, you know, the, the, and, and Isaiah Jackson, you know, the, these guys have, have not been playing much at all. And sure. so that's where that's, that's, that's an example of why Indiana is a beautiful place to, to play and coach. So, um, but look, we gotta. As I said, we all we all own it. We gotta take a as short a po- as possible a look at it, and then and then move forward. He's Rick Carlisle. He's with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Pacers back in action tonight. It'll be seven thirty tips each of the next two nights. Actually, uh, they'll come home after the game in Atlanta, take on Toronto here before Thanksgiving. Um, it seems like your guys have really embraced the in season tournament publicly. They have not, you know, kind of shied away from. Oh, it's just a another game have you felt that internally is that something you as a staff have tried to or is that pretty organic within uh within the locker room pretty organic within the locker room um we we have not minimized it as a staff for sure we we've we've talked about it you know these are this is an opportunity for you know real meaningful games in in november and december and so you know we're we're excited about it and i think if you if you do any homework on it and you know, get get a little bit of the lay of the land on it. It's it's really a great idea, and um, <laughs> you know, it gives it gives teams you know like you know up and coming teams like ours an opportunity to get into some really important games and some some games that are receiving a lot of attention. And look, you can you can say what you want to about the courts. You know, the the, the fact that players have been slipping some. We had a lot of slip, slipping in our first game at home. Um, and I know the league has done a lot of things to 
to address that, uh, just in terms of you know treating the courts and getting them as, as clean and 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 unslippery as possible. Um, you know, people are talking about this thing, and it's it's in a lot of people's conversation. And um, you know, every you know, I don't know of any team in the league that wouldn't want to check you know, check their ticket to Vegas. And so, you know, we got an opportunity to do that tonight. At least at least that's how it looks. But this is going to be a very difficult game, and uh, we're going to have to be really good and really right. Yeah, I want to talk about the game tonight, whether it be Murray and Young, that backcourt. Uh, I'm a big Hunter fan as well there at the three for them. What, uh, you know, what issues does Atlanta pose tonight as you're on the road and looking to bounce back after Sunday? Great guard play, as you mentioned. Um, I think looking at their last five wins, losses, uh, numbers in in wins, both Trey Young and Jante uh, Murray are scoring, you know, up upwards of high twenties in points, and I think there's an eight to ten point difference in losses. So, look, the, the stats are probably not super meaningful, you know. Yet, um, it used to be that after. 10 games, you could look at the stats and say, yeah, you know, this is really starting to make sense. But with how much scoring kind of goes up and down and, and so forth like that, it's it's um, it's probably a little bit early. But if both those guys have, have really good games, I mean, it's going to be really tough. They've, uh, they've made some moves with their team. Jalen Johnson, who played a lot of G League last year and played a little bit with them last year, has stepped into the starting four position. And he's averaging fifteen and eight, and shooting you know over forty percent from three. Um, and you know, you mentioned Hunter's a good player, Capella's a good player, Kongwu. You know, they bring, they bring Bogdanovich off the bench. He's a he's a very good six man. Uh, they can score. And uh, they're an aggressive defensive team, so we're going to have to read the game the right way. Again, this is probably a stupid question for Rick Carlisle, but Trey Young will shoot from 35 feet. How do you defend that? What do you tell your guys? Maybe, maybe you don't want to say that on FM radio, but you know this guy will come across the logo and shoot from the logo, and you know that's going to be the case tonight. I have three words for that. Hope he misses. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, and you get the yeah, rebound. You know, it's, it's it, you know what he what he does is you know I mean this is part of the Steph Curry effect on on the league and and the the Dame Lillard effect on the league. I mean these guys <laughs> these guys have made shooting thirty five to forty foot shots. Um, you know, a, a commonplace everyday thing. And it's really, I mean, it is, it has revolutionized the game. And so the, you know, one of the other big problems with him is he's shooting 10 free throws a game. Sure. So if we can keep him off the line, you know, that, that goes a long way as well. But Atlanta is always a difficult team to play because, um, you know, he can, his, in his passing is, you know, as a, I, you know, him and Tyrese Halliburton in the same game. I mean, if you're if you're a fan of of the ability to pass the ball and see things in the NBA game, I mean, this is a game you want to watch. Yeah, that's without question. Uh, you get any uh, Adam Sandler interaction in? I Ooh. saw he was playing a little pickup at your guys' practice facility last week. No, I missed him. I I, uh, I was on my way out uh, in the afternoon. He was he was coming in. They um, were <laughs> playing pickup, I guess, over it over at the practice facility. Um, but I'm a fan, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's close friends with, uh, happy Walters. Who's, who's one of our consultants. And, 
you know, I know, I know his show was terrific and sorry, I missed him. It's been a, you know, the, over the last few weeks, it's there's been it's been some, and even last year, some really interesting people have have come through. You know, we had Letterman last week. Who we, I think we talked about that a little bit. Adam Sandler last year. We had Fifty Cent. We had um, Will Ferrell, right? Well, yeah, Will, Will, Will Ferrell. Ferrell. Will Ferrell. That was that was terrific. You know, and so uh, <laughs> um, it's you know it's it's cool stuff. Uh, okay, so KB said the movie Big Daddy is what came to his mind when he thinks of Adam Sandler. So I'll put you on the spot, Coach. When you think of Adam Sandler, I guess what movie or what show, what comes to your mind immediately? Like the first movie that pops in your head is what? Well, that's easy. Happy Gilmore. Yeah. <laughs> See, I'm the same way. Yeah. I mean, the running, the running, sw- the running full <laughs> swing, you know, the running John Daly wind-up sure. swing, I mean, is... I mean, it's an all-time classic. It's, you know, that, that movie is somewhere in the realm, you know, of Caddyshack. I don't think it, it quite gets to that level of, you know, iconic golf movie, but it, but it's pretty it's close. damn close. It's, yeah. it's really, it's really pretty, it's really pretty awesome. Yeah, it was just that initial voice. When he came on stage last Wednesday, Big Daddy was the first one. Obviously, you talk about iconic moments. Happy Gilmore speaks for itself. Well, Co- when, you're, when, you're, when you're talking about a movie where, where the the star of the movie punches Bob Barker in the face. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you've got to give that strong consideration. Sure, without a doubt. Yeah, the price is wrong for uh, for Mr. Barker on that one. Uh, Coach, have a great Thanksgiving as well. I know, obviously, two back to backs, but we really appreciate your time throughout the last month plus, and looking forward to continue it throughout the season. And like Andy and I said, awesome work with the drive and dish stuff. Uh, good luck tonight, and uh, enjoy your Thanksgiving. All right, thank you, gentlemen. Take care. That is Rick Carlisle right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Again, back-to-back for the Pacers. I know so much focus tonight, Andy, with this one. Atlanta's slight favorite. They have lost three of four, Mm -hmm. all three of those at home, ironically enough, the Hawks. Um, But it'll be the Raptors tomorrow night. That's always one that you kind of almost throw them into the magic category. They got a lot of length, a lot of interchangeable guys. Scotty Barnes had a great— I love Scotty Barnes. Great start to the season. So. Um, this is uh, this is an important, you know, back to back, especially with how you played on Sunday, and obviously the in season ramifications. Yeah, if, tonight. I'm, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't Scotty Barnes on a Florida State team that wasn't very good? Like Florida State had a run there where they had really good teams, and like you're like Len Hamilton's going to finally like he had his best year of the COVID year, right? See, like, right, they, they would have won the ACC. Couldn't recall if they were the COVID year or yeah, if they were right I, I, that, after. That. Yeah, I'm, I'm blanking if Scotty Barnes was on that really good team, and he was like one of uh, you know you could tell though he was different when he was on the floor. Because they won the ACC one of those years. That, and that like, was the year they won it. They, they yes, they won it outright the COVID year. So they fall into the Dayton San Diego yes, State trap of what could have been. Yes, they do. Yeah, and that was his best chance to win it. Thank you to Rick Carlisle. As stuff. always, that'll be up on the podcast page again to map out what the next half hour or so looks like. Andrea Kramer from HBO, her, her eye-opening interview with Jim Irsay going to come up uh, in about ten minutes, uh, and then Dio Dangbo. Uh, he is off that three-sack game. We got to forget about it because it happened a couple weeks ago. Colts get back to work this week as they get ready for Tampa. Dio going to join us in a few. Before all of that, obviously, a big college basketball slate last night. Let's lead off the morning checkdown with that. The morning checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. 
Yeah, let's start in college basketball locally. Let's start with Indiana this time. 74-66 winners uh, over Louisville, depending on uh, where you got the line. That last layup by the cards could have affected something, but Indiana needed to get this win. They needed to get to 4-1. and one. They needed to not lose uh, to a team sub-500 or sub-150, I should say, in the Ken Palm, and they did so uh, in the final minutes. They went zone, zone defense. That was a huge part of the postgame. Here's Mike Woodson. Stop their step up, pick and roll. And uh, had we continued down that path, where and, and Malik probably would have fouled out in the ball game. So it was the right thing to do, and it probably maybe caught them a little off guard because I don't normally play zone, and we hadn't really worked on it a whole lot. We were aggressive enough, and, and we rebounded out out of the zone, and that helped. You know, I mean, there's no good to play zone, and they still get offensive putbacks. Yeah, so Mike Woodson out coach Kenny Payne in the final five minutes of that game. 13-2 to two run to close it out there for Indiana. Again, their bench, really, really important. Uh, not only Peyton Sparks and Anthony Walker finally, I think, giving you something there, but I thought Caleb Banks was huge in that one. You've been looking for that. You know, it's like, oh, hey, uh, bench some of the starters. Well, bench them for who? You know, it's not like there's all of a sudden been great bench play from your rotational guys, but you got that last night. Uh, now coming up, it'll be Harvard on a neutral floor. That'll be actually here again. Field house, so uh, yeah, I guess neutral floor in quotes there with that one. All right, uh, obviously the the one that actually looked like a legit NCAA tournament game yesterday uh, that would have been Purdue and Gonzaga. Gonzaga punched Purdue first, Andy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Purdue got off to you know the quick start, but then Gonzaga hit him back. They had the lead throughout that first half, but then kind of a championship response by Purdue after halftime. And it, again, the thing that stands out to me is last year if Purdue would have gotten a game where Fletcher Lawyer goes 0 of six from three. Purdue shoots it very poorly from three. Purdue turns it over at a decently high rate. They don't win that game, let alone win it over a quality opponent on a neutral floor by 10 points. That's what they did. Zach Eady, 25 and 14, speaks for itself. Braden Smith's stuff in the stat sheet per usual. Uh, but I thought some big plays down the stretch just to ice it from Miles Colvin. A couple threes. He continues to shoot it really well. And again, Lance Jones, nice find in the transfer portal there. He had a couple big uh, forced turnovers there late. So Purdue now advanced to the semifinals. It is number seven ranked Tennessee tonight. They ran away from Syracuse in the second half yesterday. And then no matter what happens, Purdue will get either Kansas or Marquette either in the championship game against one of those teams or the third place game. So they are guaranteed to get three top 10 opponents in Maui uh, for the Boilers. You surprised at all the matchup predictor on ESPN has Tennessee winning this game 51.1% of the time. I mean, it's essentially that, a 50-50 yeah. game. Yeah, I did see that. Uh, yeah, Again, I'm not going to pretend like I know a ton about Tennessee. They did win at Wisconsin earlier this year. I think in typical Rick Barnes fashion, very deep. Don't connect their transfer. I know a guy that a lot of IU fans wanted. Vescovi. Um, has been a nice find for them. <laughs> uh, but they're not overly big, so you're kind of curious how they... You know, they are a defensive-minded team. That's what they've been under Rick Barnes. Obviously, when you think of these two teams getting together, I think of the historic night for Ryan Klein back in the Sweet 16 a few years ago in Louisville. Uh, but I, I was a little surprised to see that. But I guess, you know, coin flip, neutral floor, number 
two against number uh, seven. It, 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 it doesn't. Sense. It doesn't matter. It's just a number. Uh, I think of Vescovi still around. <laughs> yeah, some of those guys from Tennessee. I'm like, well, they they are. He's he's still playing college basketball. Uh, quickly, what is it? Week eleven in the NFL in the books. Eagles over the Chiefs. I looked up above you, and they were discussing on ESPN uh, the Eagles. Uh, you know, uh, they 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 get the Col- the the Chiefs back for the Super Bowl. I'm like, no, the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. You won a game in November. Those those are you didn't avenge any loss, but nonetheless, 21 17. We just had another final drop there. by the Kansas City wideouts. Uh, Chiefs wideouts dropping everything. Interesting in this game, you know, AJ Brown had one catch for eight yards. This is a guy who you thought might be in the MVP uh, conversation. Jalen Hurts just a buck fifty through the air. Mahomes just a buck seventy seven through the air. So not a lot of offense. 21 17. Your final last night. Again, the Thanksgiving slate filled with NFC games. Let's take a closer look at those tomorrow. You will get the Black Friday game. That will be Jets and Dolphins. It's a 3 o'clock kick here coming up on Friday afternoon. All right, Jim Irsay, quite the interview that he had with Andrea Kramer. You can find that tonight on HBO. We caught sneak peek of it yesterday. The woman that interviewed Jim Irsay, Andrea Kramer, she joins us next here on the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy, 93.5. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 107.5 The Fan. All right, great stuff. Rick Carlisle joining us there. Coming up in just a couple minutes, Andrea Kramer going to join us. She sat down a couple weeks ago with Colts owner Jim Ursay and some uh, interesting stuff coming from that. I'm sure that'll be a conversation piece over the next couple days. And then uh, Dio Odengbo going to join us at 840. What are you looking forward with Dio, uh, with Dio to talk with him about? What's like your number one question you want to ask him? Well, obviously he had a great game in Germany. You know, he's certainly, it's, okay, I was that experience. A bunch of family members, 13 um, of them there. Yeah, you know, he has got the Nigerian descent and a lot of people that live in Europe. Um, so, you know, I think for him, that's one that, I don't know if I have the Kenny Moore sister feel to it <laughs> from Charlotte in that game against the Panthers, but um, he's a guy that's really come on as of late. You know, I think he was kind of budding for a little bit more of the actual production. Um, and I think he's definitely had some moments in October and early November as well. And a huge game. And he, he just... When DeForest Buckner commands as much of the attention, as much of the double teams that he welcomes, that should open up opportunities for other guys. Uh, and I've said this before, you know, Chris Boward loves, loves, loves Dio Dangbo. Loved him as a draft pick. Kind of envisioned a little bit of a, you know, New York Giants Super Bowl defensive lineman with the versatility and the height and the length that Dio, Dio Dangbo brings. And here in year three, a critical year, I think you are you are seeing it from. Does Dio know how much Balor loves him as a draft pick, one of his know. favorite over the last seven years? That's maybe, a good question. Maybe yeah. we need to find that out. Maybe yeah. that's what we need to find out from him. <laughs> and then Andrew Kramer again going to join us here uh, any minute. Uh, she's the one that interviewed Jim Mersey. You obviously uh, have heard us talk about that here on the show today. That'll come out tonight, 10 o'clock on HBO. You can stream that. Pretty eye-opening interview uh, from the Pro Football Hall of Famer with the Colts Are we supposed to call it HBO or is it now just your son's name? Is it just Max? What yeah, do, what I do don't we, know. What do we do with that? Max. Well, I mean, why, why the change? the HBO hard channel. Okay, that's what I... Okay, that, okay, that makes sense. I mean, like, it's let's just go, man. Digital side of it. Keep it HBO. HBO's one of the iconic... 
names isn't out there HBO in broadcasting. Max, isn't that what the... Nah, it's just Max now. Just Max? It, it was HBO, then HBO Max. They eased us into it, and now it's just Max. I was trying to think back to our Hard Knocks days <laughs> when the Colts were on Hard Knocks of what we were watching Would there. you want the Colts to be on Hard Knocks next year? Oh, I enjoyed it. Okay, yeah. I, I didn't know if it was one of those things, we don't need Absolutely the distraction, no, no, get no. the cameras I, away all, and everything else. I'm all about behind the scenes. Hey, listen, you, you know I am. You get a little bit of drama along the way and everything else, you know You know I'm good to go. I have, I have no problem with it. So we're getting Andrea Kramer here. Uh, we'll talk with her uh, in just a second. Again, she's joining us now. Deo Dangbo going to join us coming up at 840. Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, going to join us at 9 o'clock. Andrea Kramer does join us here on the Pay Less Liquors Hotline. She got to sit down with Jim Ursay and some of that uh, sound and video is making the rounds. You can catch that tonight at 10 o'clock on HBO. Andrea Andrea, good morning. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you? I'm doing great, guys. How are you? Uh, We are fantastic. Living the life. Uh, It's such a great week with Thanksgiving and all the sports and everything else happening. I guess let's start here, having uh, seen your piece, and and obviously the teaser is out with Jim Ursay and everything else. Uh, Why now? Why do you think Ursay would be interviewed now? And then did you think it would be as candid as it ended up being? Well, first of all, I have always found Jim Mersey to be one of the most interesting and genuine, <clears throat> pardon me, characters in all of sports. And you guys know him, and, and you guys have your feelings for him locally, but I think nationally it, it's, it's been a little bit different. So I've been pursuing this for a really long time, um, the Colts have always been great about the request and have always just said, this isn't the right time for it. And then, as you point out, suddenly it became the right time. And I think it, I think it reflects where Jim is in his life right now in terms of uh, sort of acknowledging that he's lucky in many ways to be alive. He's going to live his life as he wants, and he's going to say what he wants, uh, he's going to speak his own truth. And I think tied to that is the kicking the stigma initiative that he and the Colts have uh, he, that have instituted and that's very dear to his and his family's heart, which is basically trying to destigmatize substance abuse issues, mental illness issues, uh, certainly the, the former that he and his family have suffered from uh, pretty extensively. Andrea, outstanding work. Again, it's going to air tonight at 10 o'clock. We were fortunate to watch a sneak peek of it last night and came away uh, just really in awe, and I thought you did an outstanding job in kind of handling everything with him. Um, I guess, how much did you know, Andrea, about his life story, and how much did you find yourself sitting in the variety of chairs you sat in for, uh, I mean, hell, you interviewed him in multiple places, and think to yourself, oh, wow, I, I, I I, I didn't know he would go there. I didn't think he'd share that. Um, to your last point, yes. Uh, There were times when I did not think he would go there. He would not verbalize. He would not say what other people might think, but it's going to come out of his mouth. Uh, Listen, uh, Peyton Manning had a very kind of funny but uh, accurate comment. He, He said something along the lines of, 
Jim does a run-on sentence better than anyone. There's a lot of commas and semicolons, but not a lot of periods. Jim likes to talk at stream of consciousness as an interviewer. It's sort of anathema to interrupt somebody, but I, I was even kind of given some uh, advice, quote-unquote, quote-unquote advice by the Colts brain trust. You got to interrupt him because he's going <laughs> to kind of go off ramps like seven times in one response. But amidst a lot of Jim's rambling are some real gems, and you got to listen hard, uh, and you have to you have to wait for them, and you have to follow up with them. Yes, I've known Jim for several decades, but uh, I think that no matter how much prep work you do, that it's never the same as having somebody in the chair, and in Jim's case, in multiple chairs and multiple places. And the other thing, guys, as I think you'll you'll acknowledge, is that. He's been profiled in print, but I think this is, excuse me, I think this is probably the first long-form TV news magazine segment that he's done, and television is just different. You get to see someone, you get to hear someone, you get to look in their eyes, and you get to have a different feel for what somebody is thinking and saying when, when you actually hear it. She is the Pro Football Hall of Famer. She's Andrea Kramer. Again, you can find this tonight, 10 o'clock. You can stream it on HBO. Find it on HBO or HBO Max. You can stream it. Find it on HBO as well. Um, you brought up Peyton Manning. I, I'll be totally honest with you. You know, I've covered the Colts for over a decade now. If you had told me, okay, Jim Mercy's going to have a tell-all, if you will, and, you know, kicking the stigma, obviously, has been such a prominent thing over the last few years. I would have said, oh, wow, uh, that's a, a, a tad surprising, but not the most shocking thing in the world, because I think Jim Mercy really, to your point, wants to be public with this. If you would have told me, though, that Peyton Manning would have sat down with you and not just make a cameo, I mean, you asked him several questions that I was yeah. frankly stunned that Peyton a- answered, because I view Peyton in such a politician, especially in regards to Ursay and the Colts. So if you don't mind, walk us through your interactions in getting Peyton Manning to say yes and answer some of the questions that you tossed his way. I, have to, I completely agree with you. Uh, believe it or not, we were sitting in the green room at Lucas Oil Stadium waiting for Jim to arrive for the, the big concert that we were with him at, uh, the kickoff concert. And my amazing producer, Maggie Burbank, says, why don't, we tr- why don't we try to reach out to Peyton? And I look at her as though she has four heads. <laughs> and I said, no, no, I'm, I'm curious. And I, you know, I, I know Peyton, obviously, and, you know, worked with him his whole career, covered him his whole career. And I said, there's no way. I, I, I mean, there's, there's no way. But I live in a world, we live in a world where ask the worst somebody could say is no. And truthfully, guys, I emailed Peyton directly. You know, not through any handlers. I emailed Peyton directly. But then a half an hour, he responded back. I'm in. What's your deadline? Wow. We come to Denver. Do you want to do it at my office? Do you want to do it at the Broncos? What do you want? To, how much time do you need? And I was stunned. Hmm. And because to a bit to your point, as we know, Peyton has uh, n- no surprise developed this media empire, but he still doesn't do a lot of one-on-one sit-down interviews. And I think that it speaks to the relationship he has with Jim, the respect he has for Jim. And that he did uh, make the comments that he did and answer what he did and show the humor that, that he did. Uh, but I, I think my, my impression, and, and I'm not, I, I never really like sharing my impression about a story because it's all about you guys. It's about the audience and what you guys think. I will say, though, that I, I feel 
that the the care that, and love that he has for for this man is is pretty evident. And uh, but uh, but certainly he was he was as candid as uh, as I would ever hope for. Andrea Kramer with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, just fantastic stuff for sit down with Jim Mercy again. Ten o'clock tonight on HBO. You can find that the arrest nine years ago in Carmel. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know if it's combative, tense is the way that I would put it. When you're sitting there, when that interaction happens, what are you thinking and what did you make of that part of the interview? Obviously, at least locally, that is you know already becoming a story. Some of his quotes. Yeah, look, uh, to Jim's credit, when he agreed to the story, he volunteered to me without me even having to say anything. I'm all in. You can ask me whatever you want. Hmm. And truthfully, that is a uh, that is a credo at Real Sports, which we, we always say, which is we have to ask. You don't have to answer. But we, we never set parameters on interviews because you can't. Once you sort of open journalistically, once you open that Pandora's box, you, you just can't close it. You can't promise anybody you're not going to ask something. Again, it's up to the subject to want to talk about it. So we, we certainly, uh, it was clear where we were going to go. You're, you're telling, we're not doing his life story, but we're certainly telling a story that has a timeline, and that does include it. And we had to ask him about it. And Again, I I can't say what I was anticipating, <laughs> but in terms of uh, his reaction, he was very vociferous about it. Uh, what we see in the story is is obviously a, a, a I think a significant exchange with Jim, but he doubled down on it. I mean, my my follow up question to him, I don't want to say it gave him an opening to hear his words and maybe amend them, but he chose not to do that. And he, it's the one time in the interview that he did get very, very animated. And I, I want to, I, I don't know if I want to characterize it as angry. Again, let, let you and the viewers can decide that. But he kept saying it over and over again, what he, his contention. So it wasn't a one-off. And um, we wanted to absolutely make sure that it was portrayed as accurately as it was. Because, again, we have to ask the questions he has to give he has to speak his truth and that's the point is he spoke what he says are his facts and is his truth and um again at the end of the day i, I just give somebody anybody a ton of credit for doing that but i give extra plaudits to someone of his stature who is going to say the things that he did and again it's not it's not that i just questioned him on did this happen this way? It's do you know how this is going to sound? And that's when he really doubled down. Yes, and I don't care because I know it's, it's the truth. Again, I, at the end of the day, I just give him a lot of credit for his honesty. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I, I think both parties, frankly, you for asking it and following up like you did, and then him for being as candid, even if those comments, obviously, um, certainly a bit jarring. Andrea, we cannot thank you enough for the time this morning. Um, obviously, we were able to see uh, the 15-minute uh, um, Real Sports, and it, it was outstanding. Uh, it defines journalism and shows why you are a pro football Hall of Famer. So thank you for that. Thank you for the time this morning. Have a great Thanksgiving, and appreciate uh, you hopping on with us. 
Kevin, Andy, really appreciate it. Thanks for the great questions and the conversation. And as you point out, it's a 15-minute story, so people may see the excerpts, but watch the story, and it'll be streaming on Max. Isn't aren't I supposed to say that as well? <laughs> yep, yep. To you, to all your listeners, your families, have a lovely holiday and stay healthy, and I hope we chat again soon. Best to you, Andrew. Thank, Thank you. you. That is the great Andrea Kramer right there on the Payless Liquors hotline. That was Again, fantastic. A happy Thanksgiving to her. Uh, I, I think what she just said at the end as well. This is much more than just what you're going to see in that big time social media clip. So encourage people out there to catch that. And Andy, in true great radio I, fashion, bring in number fifty four, KB. We, Go we ahead. Let's, let's from keep them coming to another. <laughs> from a he journalist is, to a to a pass rusher, I, I, he is. I, I, is it fair to say he's fresh <laughs> off of the three set let's game? Go. I, I know it's. Well, been a while, but Dio Adengbo, off of that three-sat game in Germany, joins us now. Dio, good Tuesday morning to you. Welcome back from the bye week. Hey, Don. It's good to, it's good to be on here. Thank you. At Dio, three sacks against the Patriots. I won't get into, I frankly thought you should have won AFC Defensive Player of the Week. He was campaigning for you. Don't yeah, worry. He I, campaigned I, for Kenny Moore the week before he campaigned for you after New England. Don't worry. Burned all my genie wishes on Kenny Moore there. But uh, let's go back to Germany. And, you know, it wasn't maybe Bernard Ryman sentimental value. But, you know, Andy brought it up earlier. You had a lot of family in the building for that one that, you know, haven't seen you play stateside for those that might have missed that and not just the three sack performance uh, could you explain what the what that experience was like for you from a family standpoint playing in Germany yeah it was amazing uh, I was able to have some of the most family I've been able to you know have watched me play you know I have a ton of family overseas so I have family that flew in from London uh, some that live in Germany um, and they were able to uh, come to the game and be able to see me play for the first time. And for most of them, it was their first time seeing any type of football, you know, uh, live. So it was an amazing experience to be able to, you know, get the win in front of them and be able to play. I mean, they had to think you're you're pretty damn good. Uh, you had three sacks <laughs> in that game. They probably had to leave there thinking, man, our man Dio, he's awesome, right? What did they say to you yeah. after the game? And they see you guys win. They see football up close. And they see you being such a huge part in the win. I mean, that had to mean a ton, I would imagine. Yeah, no, it was amazing. It was, it was really an emotional experience, you know, uh, with my little cousins and, you know, kind of just how they see me and just trying to set an example and be a role model for them. So it was a super emotional experience. And it was, it was, it was amazing, you know, uh, I'm, I'm thinking about flying them out to every game. <laughs> it's a lot of money. Every week, right? yeah. It's a lot you of miles. You might need a whole section of yeah. Lucas Oil on Sunday for that. Yeah, you'll, you'll be flying right. first class with all those miles wherever you want to go. Uh, right. Dio Dingbo with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, we'll dive into some football. Obviously, you guys are in the midst there, right in the AFC. Uh, Tampa Bay coming up, Lucas Oil on Sunday. So I want to ask you some football stuff. But uh, what does a football player do on his bye week? Do you watch games? Do you just rest? Do you travel? a little bit what uh, what did you do when you guys had you know a week and a half off or so yeah everyone's different you know a lot of people travel go see family uh for me i just kind of rested um i watch for me i watch football all the time so i caught all the sunday games saturday college football so you know it's still fun to be able to have a week to where you could just kind of watch it as a fan so did you red zone uh, did you go red zone is that how you watched it it depends. I flip between red zone and then specific games. Okay. On which game is getting, getting hot, who I want to see play. Football junkie here. Well, and, spe- and, speaking, and speaking of college, a guy next to me, uh, Kevin uh, Bowen. Well, I wasn't going to bring that up. Oh, it, you it, well, it, I mean, it's it's the enemy. He went to Tennessee, Georgia on oh, Saturday. No. How about that? Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> 
You don't want to watch Tennessee play ever. Well, never. you had to be happy about that, uh, about that performance, yeah. at least, yeah. Dio. You know, definitely happy about the outcome. Right. If Vandy can't get a win, Tennessee losing by a million is probably next. Hey, hey uh, man, Vandy, we had a bye week, so we won the bye week. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, I, I do like Clark Lee, by the way. Uh, Dio Dangbo joining us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Dio, I, I want to go back to, I, I don't know, maybe it's just not Sunday. It's pretty much every week. But there was a moment in Sunday's game against the Patriots where I forget if it was after sack one or sack two or maybe even sack three. But I'm watching a three-down sequence of you, and you move to a different spot on the defensive line every single play. It was, you know, and one time and whatever. Three technique, another time or wherever. Um, if you were to, you know, casual fan comes up to you and asks you, like, what position you play, how would you explain the variety of roles that you do have on the defensive line? I always just say I play defensive line, you know, when someone asks me what position I play, you know, really can't say I'm an end or a tackle, just all across the line, wherever, you know, there's a good matchup, wherever I can help the team. So, for me, just an all-around defensive lineman. It's probably always been this way in your Colts career, but do you notice the amount of double teams for DeForest Buckner and realize this is just a beautiful one-on-one opportunity that I'm about to get here? Oh, yeah. I mean, you got a player like Buck, you can't, you can't leave them single blocked at the end of the day. It's just, it's going to be a bad, it's it's a mistake to leave them single blocked. So, you know, he's getting double teamed a lot. So having those opportunities open up for everybody else, I mean, it's, you know, it's tough on him, but it's a, it can be a blessing for everybody else. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, it's a blessing for you. That That's what it is. Yeah. It's going to be a blessing for you. You're halfway through year number three, and it feels like uh, you're breaking through. It feels like you're taking your game to the next level. Do you feel that way? And I guess what kind of work goes into taking your game to the next level? Yeah, I mean, I definitely feel myself improving and growing, and I felt that throughout my career just as far as, Staying consistent through the work, staying consistent through the highs and the lows, and just uh, you know, kind of sticking to the process. So I feel like uh, they kind of it kind of shows up in bunches how that uh, that work kind of pays off. So you know, I was blessed to be able to see a lot of production in Germany and uh, you know, in some other games. So just continue to stick to that work and kind of looking at the end of the season and seeing where we are. He's certainly emerging here in year three. Number 54, Dio Dangbo. Again, three sacks against the Patriots. The Colts back from their bye week here this week. It'll be the Bucks coming up on Sunday afternoon inside of Lucas Oil Stadium. All right, Dio, Thursday's Thanksgiving. Um, if I had to pick a position group and attend a Thanksgiving meal of said position group, Ooh. the defensive line would easily be atop the list. I think we all saw easily. the Hard Knocks episode with Grover Stewart and the kitchen right. sink wings. Um, I believe uh, we saw the schedule release with Buck and Grover Stewart also doing a lot of eating in that. Uh, if we were, and I don't know, maybe you guys do this already, but if I were to attend a defensive line, Thanksgiving, what am I walking into? I mean, you're walking into a feast. You know, we got the best eaters on the team, man. We got the best cooks on the team. So, uh, everybody likes to, everybody likes a good meal on the D line. You know, we got some guys who can get in the kitchen and throw down. So, it'll be, it'll be a good meal, you know, full of laughs. You know, we got a, a bunch of great personalities. So, it'll be fun. Are you whipping the dish up? Oh yeah, I'm definitely in the kitchen. I'm definitely in the kitchen. I'm one of the. I'm Tell us the, more. Tell yeah, us yeah, more. Do, do you have a specialty? Do you have a go-to? I mean, I, I, I have an all-around. You know, it's kind of kind of like playing D-line. It's all-around. You know, wherever you need me to need me to show up, I'll show up. So whatever you want to, whatever meal you want, 
I can make it. <laughs> okay, you know, Pro Bowl voting is like starting that. here in a few weeks. Give us your top three Pro Bowl cooks in the Colts defensive line room, okay? If, I, if I'm giving you a one, two, three list, I need a ranking. Well, I mean, I'm the best cook, number one. That'll be me. I know Grove and then probably Taekwon, probably S3 hmm. right there. Okay. All right. guys are talking. DeForest to- Buckner looks too healthy yeah, to me. He, he doesn't look like he just. Yeah. He's too fit for me. <laughs> okay, but uh, would the offensive line be angry at the conversation you guys are having that, that we're having right now? I mean, they're known as the eaters, right? Is the offensive line known the hog mollies? That's what they call them, the hog mollies. I think they're too sloppy. Yeah, they, they, yeah, they just they'll eat anything. You know, you gotta. <laughs> it's about the quality. You know, over here on the D line, we 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 whipping up great dishes. So look at that high end quality versatility, as Dio Dangbo alluded to, not only yeah, on the it. field but off the field as well. Dio, hell of an effort against the Patriots. I'm sure that was pretty darn cool to see all the family there. Um, and I guess just lastly, I you know throw it out there. What was Germany like? I know it wasn't a long, long trip over there, but what did you make of your first international game experience? Yeah, I mean, it was a fun experience. I mean, obviously, we didn't have a ton of time to explore over there in Germany. But, you know, from what I saw, it was a fun experience. Uh, you know, they have a, a great culture. And it was, uh, you know, a lot of the times we were able to go out was kind of the evening time. So it was kind of darker. Kind of had a little kind of gothic vibe. So, But it was cool. It was a cool experience. I'd, I'd, uh, I'd definitely like to go back overseas and be able to play overseas. Stadium sounded loud as hell. Yeah, it was it was definitely loud in the stadium. The game was uh, fun. The the fan atmosphere and and uh, you know the attendance and the energy they brought to the game was fun. Can Dio Dangbo here in year three, seven to go for the Colts in twenty twenty three, and they are certainly on the fringe of that playoff picture. Dio, have a great Thanksgiving, great close of the season. Thanks for the time on this uh, Tuesday morning. Have a good one, Dio. Thank you. I appreciate it. Y'all have a good one. Dio Dangbo right there, Payless Liquors Hotline. I agree. I think D-line just a little – I mean, you're still going to get a meal and a feast and a variety of things. The the O-line, they just seem a little sloppy. When you said that, you said by far the defensive line. I I, I I agree with that. I kind of looked at you like I kind of – I kind of had not a shrug, but I I don't know, like I got hit by shrapnel or something. I said, "What?" I go, "The offensive line, you know, they're known as the guys they'll lead an entire pork butt." Like, are, are you you serious here? You're going against the O line, but you, you, you know. did look a little cross-eyed. <laughs> and for those that I know have asked, we're probably about a week away oh, from from what mayo, plop it, Mark. Oh, he's not ready. Yeah. yeah. He, nor should he be ready for we the plop. We are probably a week he's away. He's got to blow up the page. Again, Colts and Bucks this Sunday. Next Sunday, Colts <laughs> at Titans. Did, did Will Mark, Levis yeah, did under Mark, Did Mark center. say, hey, I found mayo with lime juice in it on Monday? Didn't it, he it say was, that yesterday it, off the air? It was at the grocery store. Yeah. It was yeah. Uh, Duke's Mayo, which is the, which the is brand good. that we participated in. Sure. Uh, but it was, yeah, with a hint of lime. And I, I was like, now, oh, how will the aerodynamics be with that and plopping into the coffee about like that should probably. be this the lime shouldn't change too much of the gravity there it should fall off the, the spoon and into the acoustically <laughs> that jim ursay collection would love to hear those acoustics the oh, lime probably goodness. isn't helping though with the vinegar flavor and just the overall taste of the mayo and the coffee you know what we should do we should interview a reputable 
Emmy award-winning journalists like Andrea Kramer right before we plop the mayonnaise in the coffee. Yeah. Just to show our range here Might in the morning the of on the fan. Integrity. That was that great. One. That was a great 25 minutes. To begin with, what are you talking about? I really enjoyed both of those. So great. again, that'll be up on the podcast as well. Matt Taylor going to join us in a few. The man that I feel like has been rumored to be fired for his entire <laughs> career Finally. as offensive coordinator of the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think I can hear Mike DeCourcy screaming and yelling and rejoicing about this one. Matt Canada finally just got Ugh. the axe from well, that's Mike bad Tomlin for the Colts and company. The Colts will see the Steelers here coming up in less than a month. Am I wrong? Do I feel like and Matt Canada? By the way, if I'm not mistaken, I believe he's a former IU offensive coordinator. I mean, Matt, yeah, Matt Canada. No one wants Matt Canada was probably the most hated coordinator in the NFL over the last two years. Like the Bills had a little bit of that with Ken Dorsey, but last year you didn't feel that way about Ken Dorsey. And Matt Canada has been disliked for. I mean, for a couple years, uh, he, you know, he had the very forgettable stint in college football as wow, well. Wow, he went to New Pal. I didn't realize that. Yeah. He's, so, he's real local. Yeah, so Matt Canada done. And that's not good, by the way, for the Colts. You would want Matt Canada to stick around for a couple more weeks. Yeah, New Pal product. Played at IU, coached at Butler, coached at IU. Hey, I remember him as a coordinator more than anything there. Yeah. Um, Tom Allen's going to bring him back. Well, we'll see how that goes coming up. All right, Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, 9 o'clock hour. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Man, it's been a fun show. Hanging out, 9 o'clock hour. We're in the drivehubler.com studios. He's Kevin Bowen. I'm Andy Sweeney. Mark Dighton producing today. If you miss any of Rick Carlisle in the 8 o'clock hour or Andrea Kramer in the 8 o'clock hour or Dio Dangbo in the 8 o'clock hour, catch it all. Podcast Center, 1075thefan.com. Well, let's keep it going. Let's go back on out to the Payless Liquors Hotline. Matt Taylor, Mayday joins us here, uh, voice of the Indian. Annapolis Colts. Matt, good morning, sir. How are you today? I'm good, fellas. What's up? Oh man, we're just busy today. You're like uh you're like our post game show right now, like a smoke break, Matt. Uh we're taking a <laughs> taking a breath after uh three Is that straight. a compliment? Yeah, I mean okay. to me it is. Smoke break, I think is you know, something I mean, people enjoy. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you, Kevin. I don't. I'm not sure how to react to that. I know. I was a little. I was a little startled. Uh, to well, I didn't be honest say. With I you. didn't say what we were going to smoke, but you know, well, I'm getting. Easy now. Uh, okay. Well, I want to know how the trip was. That's number one, and then number two. It's a bye week. What does uh, What does a NFL play by play guy do on his bye week when his team's not playing? Tell us that. So Germany was good. Germany was kind of a. Looking back on it now, it was very much like a blur. You know, we were only there for just a little over 48 hours, and it's so jam packed with practice and media stuff and getting ready for a game and some team events and going to the stadium and scouting out your location. It, I really didn't see a whole lot of Germany, to be honest with you. So that was yeah. – it was good. It was fun. Um, and then as far as a, a bye week, I actually – I told my wife this um, over the weekend. I said, you know, this is the th- Thursday night. was the first time I had watched Thursday night football all year. Really? So that was – a bizarre experience because normally, you know, Thursday's a night where you're 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 prepping and game planning and stuff like that and reading and, and just getting ready for the game on Sunday. But 
it was a uh, a welcomed reprieve to to be able to watch football as a fan all weekend. Whether it was NFL games on Thursday, college games on Saturday, and then watch Red Zone on Sunday it was really really fun. Were my eyes deceiving me? Did I see something that like you you called a high school game on Friday? And and, and I did a high school game on Friday. Yeah, the IHSAA called and. Um, they needed a they needed a body to do Decatur Central and Bloomington South, and that was I mean that's eight miles from my house. So I rode over there on Friday and called that game. And uh, yeah, prep prep for those. Games. I mean that was a great game. I mean high school football. Not to get all like philosophical on you guys, but like I did a I did a game of the week every Friday for almost a decade, and just just to see high school football evolve and the sophistication in the game and the coaching and the players and how much you know bigger stronger faster and just again I, I use that word sophisticated high school football is awesome so yeah I had Decatur Central and Bloomington South Decatur Central pounded them up front they're going to the state championship game for the first time since 2018 so congratulations to them it was it was fun to to get back to uh the high school level if you will it was cool now will you do any say final games coming up or now that we're back in the swing of things NFL wise you will not yeah, it's going to be tough. Again, they asked, and and I love doing it. I wish I could, but with with the short week sure. and um, you know getting back into the swing of things in terms of, of of game planning or game prepping, and then we're we're going out of town late in the week, uh, Friday, Saturday for family. So that's that's going to take me away from being able to do those games at at Lucas Oil. But and any chance that I can do those games in the past over Thanksgiving weekend, I do just because it's it's so much fun. And I mean, to those kids, it's, it's the biggest games of their lives i mean i played in two of them i can attest it's it's an unbelievable feeling and experience yeah we'll have them all right here on our airwaves again the odd classes starting at 11 a.m on friday even classes starting on saturday greg rakestraw who will certainly be on the call for several of those and i think scott agnes as well both of them are going to join us tomorrow um all right matt Matt taylor voice the colts with us right now matt it almost seems like and i don't know maybe you don't know this maybe you would know this it almost seems like it's turned into an annual thing for the colts to play at home thanksgiving weekend like Mm -hmm. i'm used to the pacers and the lighting of the tree game you know friday night you know the nba allows for that tip to be at eight o'clock you know, so downtown kind of have a spectacle of it. Is that like that might just be useless knowledge that you don't want to look up and or don't think it's pertinent to the broadcast? But no. um, knowing you, I don't know. Maybe it's something that you've thought about. Is there any like I feel like it's like the eighth year out of nine or something like that the Colts play at home on Sunday of Thanksgiving. No, see, I, I think it goes back even further than that. And once we get off the horn here, I'll I'll double check it because I've always thought about that. I, you know, since since I've been with the team, you know, working for the team directly since 2012, we can go back even further than that once we get off the phone. But I'm fairly confident since I've been here, the Colts have hosted a home game the weekend after Thanksgiving every year. Really? So that's, that's at least whatever it is from 2012 to wow. 2023. The team's got to request that, right? I mean, there's no way that that just... I, I think you're, you're probably right on that. I don't know for sure. I, mean, I don't know and why. I, mean, I, I don't know like what would be the intrigue necessarily. But I mean, maybe just they, they want to capitalize on a big big weekend in town. And, sure. and knowing, too, now that the, the Big Ten championship game is the following week. Oh, that's a good point. Always, they're always out of town the following week, so maybe they want to have you know a home game 
or not not go a long time, I should say, between home games. Maybe, maybe that's a factor into it as well. But yeah, I, I don't know definitively the answer on that. Whether or not the Colts, you know, declare to the NFL, kind of prioritize that weekend, saying we want to have a home game. I just know that it always works out incredibly well for me, um, not having to travel that weekend, and we're we're blessed to be able to do all, all the family things for Thanksgiving because the Colts have a home game. But, yeah, every year since 2012, maybe it goes further back than that, but every year I've been here, we've had a home game following Thanksgiving. Matt Taylor with us here on the Fan Voice of the Colts, joining us on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, you look at this passing game the last couple weeks, uh, it hasn't been good, but they were able to play good defense, some timely plays on offense, and they were able to beat some not-so-good teams, obviously, in the Carolina Panthers and the New England Patriots. So, you know, the last week or so, KB and I have been talking about finding Minshew and, you know, a little bit more consistency in that passing game. What do you make of the passing game, and what do you think the Colts worked on the most here in the bye week? Well, probably, you know, you're self-scouting. There's no doubt about that. You know, you take a reflection on how we got here, you know, what's what's working well. And if we were to play the Colts, you know, if the Colts were to essentially have an inter-squad scrimmage, um, you know, how would you how would, the, how would the defense beat the offense and vice versa? And, you know, I just think there's a formula, guys, to win a football game every single week. And, yeah, the Colts aren't putting up 25 points per game in the last two in their wins against Carolina and New England, but they're finding ways to win the football Football game, and I think that's a credit to Shane Steichen knowing that, hey, in a game like this where our defense is humming and we're playing two really, you know, downtrodden offenses, it's it's imperative right now for us to to run clock. You know, that that's what New England wanted to do. They wanted to win the game twelve to nine, you know, or, or ten to seven, just like the Colts did. Um, so you have to kind of play into that and 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 use that against them. And that's exactly what the Colts did. They ran the ball effectively enough um, for time of possession and some crucial moments um, and they they didn't put the ball in harm's way and I think that's you know that's so important we, we talk about last year you know Kevin I know you and I have had this conversation how many more games would the Colts have won last season I know it doesn't matter now it's ancient history when they're 4-12 and 1 but how many more games would the Colts have won last year if they just end some of those drives and in punts instead of turnovers and I think that's really important these last two games for the Colts just being smart with the ball not putting in harm's way and not you know creating any momentum and any spark for the other team and that's what the Colts have done and the defense is playing terrific ball right now but I think you're going to I think you're going to see the Colts get back to some explosive plays on offense again knowing that there's a way to win every football game and you know the, the last two wins have been very you know unsexy kind of unpopular in terms of fantasy football and stuff like that but you know a win is a win you don't apologize for anything but I think you're going to see some more explosive plays some more pushing of the ball down the field uh for Downs who sh- hopefully should be close to 100% healthy I mean obviously this time of year you're never you know exactly right the way you were reporting for training camp, but I think a week off uh, should help him. It should help Alec Pierce and Michael Pittman Jr. And I think the overall health of this passing game is kind of going to come back intact uh, post the bye. And you look at what uh, Tampa Bay has done, you know, defending things the last couple of weeks. I mean, they've got some really good players on that side of the ball, but collectively, they're not a good defense right now, and they're giving up a boatload of yards through the air. 
So maybe the Colts can kind of tap into that and take advantage. Yeah, I want to kind of expand on that if you don't mind. Again, Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts with us here, Payless Sickers Hotline. You know, I said something to Andy yesterday, Matt, where I was like, if I look at this on paper the rest of the way, this might be the easiest game the Colts have. And I think Andy was a little surprised that I said that. And the more I thought about it, the more I'm like, maybe I, I, I should have pumped the brakes a little bit. But I guess part of the reason why I said that was you mentioned the banged up defense right now. They suffered some very important injuries on Sunday to that defense. They are the worst rushing attack in the NFL. So I look at and think, okay, no Grover Stewart. We saw what New England did. Well, on paper, Tampa doesn't seem to be too potent in that realm. They've lost four or five and they're coming back from a West Coast trip against San Francisco. Now, having said that, part of where I do pause, I think to myself, Matt, is this the best quarterback whiteout group combo the Colts will see the rest of the season? And I know the bar might be low after the Joe Burrow injury with that, but if you look at Baker Mayfield, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and even throw in rookie Trey Palmer, and obviously the Colts secondary, you know, there have been some question marks, haven't really been tested there too, too much here as of late. That's Mm -hmm. where I do sit there and think, Kevin, you might have been a little too early in making that statement. How much do you think that is of concern this week? Well, you look at them, yeah, they've got premium players like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and, and Baker Mayfield is he's a really good you know, for all the things that people want to criticize Baker Mayfield for, he's a really good, you know, under pressure quarterback, both, you know, physically under pressure, right? When, when he, you know, he's good against the blitz, he's good against, um, you know, teams kind of heating him up, he's good in the fourth quarter, he's good in the second half. Um, so he's a really good kind of back against the wall type of guy, um, believe it or not. Um, so he, he's not. You know, a, a guy that's going to be confused with a top ten quarterback, at least not as of right now, and he's had his ups and downs um, throughout his career in the NFL. But you know, he's still a a quarterback that has been through the battles of an NFL season, and he's savvy. And you know, reading stuff on on Tampa Bay going into this game, there's guys within that offense, really all over that locker room, that love playing with him and playing for him as a leader on that on that offense. Um, but yeah, the, the ball basically goes to three different people. It goes to Evans, it goes to Godwin, you said Trey Palmer, who they picked up in the sixth round at a Nebraska at the wide receiver spot. They really don't run the ball very well, like you mentioned, Rashad White, Chase Edmonds. You know, they're consistently under 80 yards. Um, you know, as, as an offense, they've been under 20 points in five of the last six. So, again, you know, if this defense can continue to play well like they have in each of the last two games coming in and get some pressure with Dio Adangbo coming on and Quiddy Pay and DeForest Buckner continuing to wreck things in the middle of that defensive line, this should be a game where the Colts can take care of business. But how many times in the past have we said that, right? They're 1-4 and four at home. They've let some obtainable games slip away. Cleveland, uh, New Orleans, the overtime loss to the Rams. So, yeah, it's it's shaping up to be the, the the final seven games are shaping up to be something that the Colts can hopefully get on a run and negotiate but this is the NFL man like I, I say it every week you know there, there's a reason why um, you know the, the best teams you know lose a quarter of their games and the worst teams win a quarter of their games because they still have great players and you know defensively Tampa Bay like I said they're going through some injuries uh, some some tough times right now but let me look at the roster. Vita Vea, uh, Kalijah Cansey, Shaq Barrett, uh, Levante David. If he 
he can come back and play. Antoine Winfield, they, there are game records everywhere, and it's kind of deceiving. They're four and six record, and believe it or not, you look at the NFC South; it's still very much you know obtainable and, and gettable for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers if they can get on a run. They're only a game out of first place, um, so it's it's a huge game in terms of urgency for both teams going into this one on Sunday. Voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor, with us here on the Fan. Uh, yesterday, Coach Steichen mentioning Jelani Woods, you know, young tight end, uh, injured his other hamstring while rehabbing a hamstring, and that's it's disappointing for me. I was really looking forward to seeing what he could do end of last year into this season. How disappointing is it for the Colts, you think, that Jelani Woods probably a pretty good chance he's not going to play this season. Yeah, it's it's real disappointing. I mean, if you would have – going back in, like, March in, in free agency and, and the combine, some of those draft conversations, guys, we, we talked about, you know, who, who from, from 2022 to 2023, who are your um, guys that can push the ball down the field? You know, those chunk play guys, you know, large uh, yards per catch. It was Alec Pierce and it was Jelani Woods. And to not have that throughout most of the season, or in this case for all of the season, um, minus a couple of practices, and training camp, um, yeah, it's it's really disappointing, you know, for, for what he could could have done for this offense, and just his you know personal development, you know, his individual growth as well. I mean, he's going to be in some ways kind of starting from scratch um, next year with all the time on task that he's missed in a sophomore campaign, if you will. And I remember talking to him in the off season, doing an interview with him, and he was really he was full of confidence and and the right kind of confidence um, after his rookie season. You know, some some explosive some moments, um, some some big catches, some big you know, touchdowns inside the red zone. He was excited to build off of that. And again, it wasn't cocky. It was confidence, you know, saying like, if you line me up as a traditional wide tight end, I can take advantage of, of linebackers and nickel corners. If you line me out in the slot, I can beat safeties just because of the, you know, the physical attributes that I have and, you know, the speed, uh, the good hands, and just again, the, that, that frame that he possesses. Um, you know, the Colts have definitely missed that. If you look at their tight end core on the season. I think Kylan Granson is their leading uh, pass catcher from the tight end group with only 17 on the season. So it's been kind of an up and down season in terms of production and health and availability from that group. And, you know, Jelani Woods could have been a, a steady force there. And just to not have him uh, is, is a loss for this offense. But I think more importantly, it's, it's a loss for the individual growth for Jelani Woods in his second year that it looks like he's not going to have at all. Got a Thanksgiving hot take? Ooh. Oh, man. Um, yeah, like is something overrated? Like someone will come out and say, you know, mashed well, potatoes are overrated or something. Well, from 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 the day standpoint. I'd I never mean, want I, to talk to that person, by the way, ever again, if agreed. that person's out there. Agreed. Andy. I know I don't have a leg to stand on this year, but I've always been an advocate. Like, let's get the Lions off of Thanksgiving. I mean, they're great now. They're eight and two, but I, I never understand. Dan Campbell's those. built for the first Thanksgiving game of the year. That's what I mean. Like this year, it's great. Nobody's complaining about it. But let's kind of rotate the early window game out of Detroit. All right, if I'm just being honest. But um, I think I said this last year. Like, I'm not a big Thanksgiving food guy. Like the menu on Thanksgiving. That's it's the only time of the year where anybody makes that particular dinner. So true. I mean. 
You know what I mean? Like, why why do we stick to it? So my family, we've gone completely outside of the box. Um, we get together on Friday, so most of us have already had a traditional Thanksgiving meal the day before. So instead of, like, doing round two, you know, the sequel version of that, which no one really likes that food anyways, we just go, like, either all Italian or we do a hibachi. Oh, yeah. We kind of mix it up. So we Now, we I like together. this. This is this is my type of... I, the pilgrims were built for this. this That's right. I like so we, this. We get together in the spirit of... Uh, of, of Thanksgiving, but we 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 fill our our palates with with other uh, with other eats, if you will. I love that. It's a melting pot here. Uh, Charlie chimed in though, Matt. Last Thanksgiving weekend away game for the Colts. Great work by Charlie on this. Two thousand nine. Wow. Yes, wow. I mean it's been a long time. And I mean, what was it? Really Steelers. Long. I remember Luck had a concussion and Tolzine started. They they played Thanksgiving night one year yep, at home. Steelers. Yep, that was the Steelers. What game. was that? Sixteen, seventeen, some sixteen probably. Yep. If Luck was supposed yep. to play, so yeah, it's it crazy, was six, man. It, it was sixteen. It was uh, twenty-eight to seven. Yeah, Tolzine had two hundred five yards. Jordan Todman thirty-seven yards. <laughs> Doesn't that there seem like <laughs> 25 years ago? God, you wonder why I had a hair procedure here recently <laughs> to try and get this figured out. All right, Matt, great stuff, brother. We will see you, I guess, tomorrow. And um, yep. obviously have a great uh, great Thanksgiving, man. You guys, too. I enjoy the show, and uh, happy Thanksgiving to you guys. Thanks, Mike. That, that is Matt Taylor right there on the Payless Slickers Hotline, voice of the Colts. I love that he called the high school game last Friday. Oh, I love it. Yeah, you're those kids. Hey, the voice of the Colts is here. Decatur you know? Central. Hey, he's Bloomington probably signing autographs South. and everything else after the game. Everyone's waiting for his post game show to end <laughs> so he can sign some autographs. Can we see the highlights? Can we? Can we? Can we hear him? Can you dub <laughs> your voice? That's fantastic. Over him? I love that. Good Again, for him. State final setup for this weekend. Decatur Central, of course, will be the Southern representative in the 5A state finals. That will be the nightcap on Friday. So it'll be Decatur Central taking on Fort Wayne Snyder in that one. Uh, leading into that will be Chittard. As tradition, the Trojans of Chittard will take on the Fighting Jay Cutlers and Ken Dilger, if you will, Heritage Hills in the 3A state finals. Class 1A is for the third straight year. We really don't have a lot of normal meetings outside of this one. It's Lutheran and Adam Central. Lutheran has won each of the last two. And then on Saturday, 2A will be Lures and North Posey. 4A, Northwood with their Georgia wideout. Uh, Tuggle, I think is his last name. Uh, and then East Central, who, again, we had Kyle and then rip on yesterday. He mentioned us. He thinks East Central could be competing at 6A. Uh, they are defending champ. And then the uh, nightcap Saturday night, it will be the Ben Davis Giants representing Wayne Township. Taking on Crown Point as they beat Westfield to make it to the state finals. Get everything on our airwaves starting at 11 a.m. Friday and Saturday. The second day in a row, Kevin, when you've mentioned the fighting Jay Cutlers. Uh-huh. Uh, and I'm wondering if Mark's brain has done the same, especially him being a Bears fan. I always think of that website, the Smoking Jay Cutler. Do you guys remember the Smoking Jay Cutler Vaguely. website? Vaguely. Provide oh, some yeah. details. <laughs> it was just pictures of Cutler in his face. You know how we always had Jay Cutler face? And they just photoshopped a cigarette hanging out the side of his mouth. That that was the entire website. I prefer maybe some of the smokes that Jay Cutler has been with maybe in his well, career. Uh, is that he's got what? a new lady? I think he's engaged. Is, is he, he not? He he has a significant other of some kind. He is dating somebody. Being get engaged to Jay Cutler sounds awful. I was a big fan of Kristen Cavallari. Oh, oh that's what, what I was it? thinking of. Yes, is that the Hills, Mark? Uh-huh. <laughs> Laguna Beach. Listen, yes. the, the 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 top three things. Jay, if you type in Jay Cutler on Google, Jay Cutler wife, Jay Cutler smoking, Jay Cutler net worth. <laughs> 
<laughs> Cover all the bases. <laughs> yeah. Right there with that. He's dating um, someone. What every guy would like to have like the top three things Google. What's your net worth? What's your wife such look a, like? It's such and a great thing. Yeah, it really is. Thank you to Matt Taylor. Samantha Robertson is who he's dating now. I can't say I know Sam. Sam is Matt Taylor's wife's name, by the way. Uh, we're bumping kind of some things up this week. Uh, again, no show, obviously, Thursday. No show Friday with the state finals and everything. So, uh, Matt Taylor, you usually hear him on Fridays. Greg Rakeshaw, you usually hear him on Fridays. We'll have Rake on tomorrow. Again, pop quiz in a few. That'll be 317-239-1070. A pair of tickets to see OAR coming yes. up in yes. August over at White River. I was fortunate to see them a few months ago at White River. Outstanding venue, outstanding band. So, we'll do that. On the pop quiz, so go ahead and give us a call now, 317-239-1070 for that. Andy Sweeney, why don't you lead us off? How about we start with the Boilers in Honolulu All right, let's do it. to lead things off? The Morning Checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Yeah, Indiana, 10-point winners. Indiana, Purdue, 10-point winners last night over 11th ranked to Gonzaga, 73-63. Tough game, physical game, outlasting the Zags. Here's Matt Painter postgame. You know, we didn't, you know, shoot the ball great. And I think a lot of times when you have some skilled guys, now that affects other parts of their game, I don't think it affected other parts of our game. I think we did a great job of boxing out and rebounding the basketball tonight. We had good stretches, but we just were inconsistent. But, um, yeah, I think to be able to, you know, I wouldn't say that was like an ultimate grinder, but it was still one of those games. It might have probably to them it seemed like one. You know, we, we just couldn't get, you know, that rhythm until the end of, you know, getting stops and getting scores and, and getting that run and putting that run together to get some separation. So Purdue tonight, they get seventh right Tennessee. Purdue favored by about two and a half. You'll get that game eight o'clock on ESPN. Again, Fletcher Lawyer struggles like that yesterday. 0 of 6 from 3, 4 of 17 in total Purdue for the day. They turn it over a decent amount. Yet they still win by ten. And these are some of the, like the growth things I think you want to see. Last year, Andy, they were so reliant on the freshman guards delivering consistently and big time. Now, you know, can you not be as reliant? Braden Smith, by the way, outstanding per usual, and Zach Eady, well on his way to being that National Player of the Year favorite. All right, out in Madison Square Garden yesterday, you did have Indiana. I, I've used the analogy today. Staying afloat while searching for answers. I would think that describes the win over Louisville. That is not going to help your resume outside of one win away from home, but it certainly would have hurt your resume. Um, And you saw some things differently. Andy, you saw great bench play, which has Mm -hmm. not been there the first few games of the season. And then Mike Woodson with the curveball there late going zone. That was a huge, huge difference maker. Probably more of a credit of Louisville just being inept at handling it. But 13-2 run to end it. And sometimes that's college basketball. Uh, You play man for so long, you do something differently, and it has uh, the amount of success as it did late. So Indiana comes back, wins. Again, stay afloat while you search for answers because obviously there's still a whole lot of searching. It wasn't a must win. It, w- it was a you just can't lose to a t- to a team like Louisville. And if you look at it, first half, 20 bench points for the Hoosiers. I mean, you look at entire games, 12 against Army, 7 against Florida Gulf Coast, 14 against Wright State. So they needed to win that game. They got the win, uh, and they'll move in, what, Harvard, Harvard, I believe, coming up next for the Hoosiers. I'd like to see McKenzie Mbako tell his teammates, I'll pay for Thanksgiving here uh, with 
with how poorly I've played. Let me take the NIL money and well, uh, he gets his NIL money in installments. Okay, so he's only got the first installment probably. A little turkey meal at the Tudor Room or something in the Union there for the Hoosiers. All right, coming up tonight, you heard Rick Carlisle with us earlier. It'll be a 7:30 tip against the Atlanta Hawks. They are a slight favorite despite. Losing three of four, all three of those at home. Three and a half point favorite. Obviously, you're curious, Andy, Andy, to see how Indiana responds from Sunday. Uh, And just Trey Young and Tyrese Halliburton in general. I mean, you know, from an entertainment standpoint, uh, that point guard matchup. And I guess how... How they defend those guys. How they defend each team. How they defend... And then, you know, vice versa. Can you make that guy kind of work on the defensive end of the floor? Those sorts of things. Uh, that'll obviously be big to watch tonight. You know, we, we have pop quiz, so we don't have time for this today. Uh, you know, we've just been so busy, and we had such a great guest list and everything else. You mentioned, I was just going to ask you this. I'll do it here. That, that we're giving the Pacers the benefit of the doubt this year for the way they played in the Orlando game. Now, they played poorly in the Boston game, but they didn't have Halliburton. That changes everything. They're a different team. We understand that. But there have been two blowouts, the Bulls game at home, the Hornets game at home. So they haven't you know been anywhere close to perfect, especially at GameBridge. A game like tonight, if they lose tonight... That benefit of the doubt is probably going away in your mind, I would imagine. And I mean, it would yeah, be, right? Yeah, yeah. I, again, I think they've earned to have that benefit of the doubt. But to your point, you know, the Boston game was on the road without Halliburton, and it's Boston. You know, the Magic game was yeah, at I, home. I throw that one. I throw the Boston game right. out. Orlando stings even more. I mean, that to me is much more embarrassing because Halliburton did play in that game. And, you know, you know, part of it is some of the Carlisle comments that he mentioned to us. You know, how much of that is, you know, the amount of handling success? And, you know, do, are the Pacers becoming a team where, again, it's not a given you're able to do this, but if you take off the head of the snake, and that is Tyrese Halliburton, do they crumble a bit? You know, I, I think that is kind of a real question that you have. And then defending without fouling. I mean, I I heard a little bit of eh, whining might be too harsh of a term, but I heard some of that exiting Sunday against Orlando. Uh, that'll be a big one. But certainly, again, Atlanta not built like Orlando on that defensive end of the floor. One more swoosh here from Mark Dyson. There we go. Just quickly, NFL Eagles winners 21-17 last night. Marquez Valdez scaling a big drop, and he ain't the only one as Kansas City drops to 7-3, and 4-2 at home. The Eagles, to me, number one team in the NFL, not even playing their best football. They move to 9-1. and one. And just a couple quick notes. Uh, I know uh, our Jets fan here, Mark Dyson, is paying attention to the Jets. You had him in the Super Bowl. Tim Boyle will be the starter quarterback on Sunday, Zach Wilson, demoted to third string. And this morning, about 35 minutes ago, Matt Canada, the offensive coordinator there in Pittsburgh, finally fired. No shopping on Friday. I got to watch Tim Boyle play quarterback. Yeah, well, it's, it's Boyle I'm sure time. Al Michaels is loving that news, by the way, as if Zach Wilson wasn't bad enough. Three, three Thanksgiving games, by the way, all kind of hovering touchdown or bigger spreads. That would be the Lions minus seven and a half over the Packers. That would be the Cowboys minus 11. 11 over the Commanders, and then the 49ers on the road. Do we have a Geno Smith update? Iffy, yeah. it sounded like. Yeah. Well, he came back for the final possession. Okay. And I, Drew Locke's not very good. So if, if Drew Locke plays, the Niners well, are going to roll Smith that game. Plays, I'm a little surprised that they're still a six and a half point underdog at home. Back to back games, the Niners have looked like coming off the bye. They're good, but I mean, Lions, Cowboys, yeah, but that matchup, Niners, short week, six and a half. That's oh, a big time stadium. I mean, you're walking into the twelfth yeah, man. I, I, I think I'd take the Seahawks. Listen, I, I'm I'm with you. I, if Drew Locke plays, they could make that number, you know, twenty five and a half, and I might consider it. Three one seven two three nine ten. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 70, a pair of tickets to OAR. We're giving that away in the pop quiz. Give us a call. All right, so if you get all five right, you're getting that Jiffy Lube oil change. But, but... Just for joining us, two tickets to OAR in August. You can sit right next to the Bowen family. Oh, right? yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we were rocking. Goo Goo Dolls as well with OAR. That was this past year. That's not with the tickets coming up here in 2024. But it was a great time. And honestly, if you just haven't been to the remodeled, renovated, I want to describe it, White River, that's, that's worth nice. it as well. Uh, great, great venue. Out there. By the way, I know we were looking up this earlier. You said like ESPN's analytics site had Tennessee as yeah. the slight favorite for tonight. Vegas has still got Purdue. Yeah, about um, two so and a half. Two and a half. Yeah. for the Boilers. I'd take Purdue again. I'd keep riding Purdue here. That, that's just me. Uh, Tennessee's won at Wisconsin this year, and they struggled with Syracuse early. Yeah. Honestly, kind of similar to Purdue and Gonzaga a little bit there, but they pulled away from Syracuse yesterday. So Rick Barnes is bunch per usual. They play a good amount of guys, not you know one dominant player by any means, and not overly big. I mean, they do have some size, but not you know throwing a ton of bodies at Zach Eady. Uh Man, I did you happen to see Wisconsin beat Virginia by like twenty five last night? Dom and, and like Virginia scored like forty some points, right? Yeah, no, well they always score forty some points, but usually. They they allow 30-some points, so that's how they win games. But my goodness, like Greg Gard's son got in the game. I was watching the final couple minutes. Oh I don't boy, know if it's, it's never good. If it's Jay Gard, I can't remember his name, but Greg Gard's son, they're like, Gard's son's now in the game. I'm like, damn, Virginia, you know you're down 25 with two minutes to go. Now, Notre Dame does play the <laughs> coach's kid. He actually starts Braden Shrewsbury. But he, he's, he's kind of good. It's a rebuild. He's kind of good. It, it is yeah. definitely a rebuild. Uh, all right, a number one through eight for the pop quiz. Uh, do I have to do it? All right, let's go with number one. Let's just make it easy. Caller one. Scott. Fast fingers? Scott. Hey, Scott. Hey. How's it going, guys? Scott, are you an OAR fan? Uh, you know, I've actually never got to see him live, but yeah, I'm, I enjoy a crazy game of poker here and there. Look at that. Well, bring a deck of cards. You'll have an absolute blast. It's a great venue uh, since it's been remodeled uh, for sure in OAR Live. Uh, I've uh, really enjoyed it, so congrats on that. Awesome. Excited. Thanks. Well, there you go. You're a winner already today. Let's see if we can get you that oil change as well. You want me to go first, KB? Well, sure. When, when someone right. asks him at Thanksgiving, what are your plans for the end of August? He's like, I'm going to OAR. <laughs> and, you know, the nicest family member he could invite with him. Yeah, there you go. You know, August 31st seems so far away. We'll get there. But it, it's also like it's fun because football's like there, you know. We're at the, we're, we're there at football. That'll but be it's our also, last we're show. We're in football now. But and the summer's we'll gone. going into football. That'll yeah. be our last show predicting how healthy Anthony Richardson uh, can stay in year two. How much dung are you going to pick up at the, that point, Kevin? I'll right, pick up right, the dung. Can we focus on Scott? Seems I'll like a nice pick guy. up the dung. Scott, happy Thanksgiving, by the way. All right, Scott, let's go. Question number one. The Eagles beat the Chiefs on Monday Night Football last night to improve to 9-1 and one this season. Who has the second best record in the NFL at 8-2? and two? Is it the Chiefs, the Dolphins, Baltimore. the Lions, or the Niners? Whoa. Yeah, it's not Baltimore. I can tell you that. It's not Baltimore. Oh. Chiefs, Dolphins, Lions, Niners. Oh, not uh, Lions. Scott there. I'm, gl- I'm glad we could throw the multiple I choice know. at him here. All right, name the last team to get through an entire NFL season 
with just one loss. That includes the playoffs, Scott. So the last team to run through the whole regular season and the playoffs with just Oon loss, and boy, was it a great loss. Uh, the 49ers, the Colts, the Packers, or the Patriots? Patriots. That's an easy one. There you go. Scotty's being nice to you right now. He's setting you up for later on. Purdue faces Tennessee in the semifinals of the Maui Invitational tonight after knocking off the Zags yesterday. Which of the following is not one of the eight teams in the Maui Invitational field? Is it Baylor, UCLA, Syracuse, or Marquette? Again, not in the field this year. Baylor, UCLA, Syracuse, Marquette. Uh... Marquette plays Kansas, so they're out. Um, Kind of a little bit of a local flavor. A little bit. Not Baylor, not Syracuse. What was the last one? UCLA. Again, Baylor, UCLA, Syracuse, Marquette. Uh, UCLA, Steve Alford. I don't know. Local flavor. Okay. Okay. I, I, I see where you're going with that. On the same 1956, Scott, the first ever Cy Young Award winner was announced by Major League Baseball. Who won the first Cy Young Award? Was it Warren Spahn, Don Newcomb, Early Wynn, great name, or Whitey Ford? We don't make names like this anymore. No. We really don't. This guy sounds like a car dealer. Early Flynn. Don Newcomb sounds like he he like just he owns all the cars. Right. Uh-huh. He owns yeah. every uh-huh. dealership in whatever city. Yeah. yeah, whatever city he's in. Come on down to Dandelion. Yeah, if you want the best car yeah, in yeah, town. Yeah, Ford, Nissan, exactly. Mazda, Kia, does not matter. Who'd you go with, Scott? Uh, I guess it'd be uh, Don Newcomb. Don Newcomb. All <laughs> Question right. number five. Yep. You're going to get a Honda Accord for that. Happy 52nd birthday to Pro Football Hall of Fame defensive end Michael Strahan. Strahan spent his entire 15-year career with the New York Giants. Where did Strahan play college football? Was it Texas Southern, Jackson State, Grambling, or Prairie View A&M? Wow. Good, good uh, luck, Scott. Mike Davis yeah. coached here, right, Scotty? Oh. Yeah, Prairie, part, Prairie View, A&M. Part when like, Mike Davis' team would be on the road for like three straight weeks to start the year. <laughs> Just have an outrageous non-conference schedule. Uh, boy, both my hints fell on deaf ears. Yeah, they did. Well, well it was Scott, number three. It's no offense. Scott thought Steve Alford was still at UCLA, well, so that I, was the problem with I, that. I, I think he... I don't, I, Maybe he knew he was at Nevada, but you know, was thinking a little bit more of a Scott Drew Valpo. I don't know. Nobody knows he's at still Nevada except, effort, except no, for people still in effort. except for people in Indiana and John Rostein. Not many people are following Nevada. At eight and two, the second best record in the NFL does indeed belong to the Detroit Lions. Loud and proud. Patriots, of course, losing mm-hmm. that Super Bowl thanks that to Plaxico and Eli and I guess great. David Tyree, Tyree maybe yeah. more than anybody. Well, the defensive line, yeah, is a great moment. One of the Dot, best of my life. Dot Newcomb was correct. Yeah. And Andy, again, my hint's just horrible. Three and five, uh, Baylor and Texas Southern. Yeah. The, the last one, My, Michael Strahan, you're not going to. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. Yeah, like, I, I know that one, idea. but no one else should know that one. No idea. Scott, happy Thanksgiving. Congrats on the tickets. If you missed it earlier, we had Andrea Kramer join us. Um, again, she did the interview with Jim Mercer. You can find tonight, 10 p.m. on HBO extremely eye-opening on a variety of topics. Uh, certainly tons off the field with Jim Mersey. Uh, I thought Andrew Kramer was outstanding with us earlier. We'll play that next. 
JMV at 3 o'clock. It's a Tuesday. Hanging out with you another 15 minutes or so. It's been a been a fun show today. Rick Carlisle, appreciate him joining us. Uh, Dio Dangbo joined us as well, as well as Andrea Kramer. Of course, she has the sit-down with Jim Ursay. You can catch that 10 o'clock tonight on HBO. We had about a nine-minute conversation with her. We started that conversation off. Why now? Why the sit-down now? And did you think Ursay would be this candid? Take a listen. First of all, I have always found Jim Mercer to be one of the most interesting and genuine, <clears throat> pardon me, characters in all of sports. And you guys know him, and, and you guys have your feelings for him locally, but I think nationally it, it's, it's been a little bit different. So I've been pursuing this for a really long time. Um, the Colts have always been great about the request and have always just said, this isn't the right time for it. And then, as you point out, suddenly it became the right time. And I think it, I think it reflects where Jim is in his life right now in terms of uh, sort of acknowledging that he's lucky in many ways to be alive. He's going to live his life as he wants, and he's going to say what he wants, uh, he's going to speak his own truth. And I think tied to that is the kicking the stigma initiative that he and the Colts have uh, he, that have instituted and that's very dear to his and his family's heart, which is basically trying to destigmatize substance abuse issues, mental illness issues, uh, certainly the, the former that he and his family have suffered from uh, pretty extensively. Andrea, outstanding work. Again, it's going to air tonight at 10 o'clock. We were fortunate to watch a sneak peek of it last night and came away uh, just really in awe, and I thought you did an outstanding job in kind of handling everything with him. Um, I guess, how much did you know, Andrea, about his life story, and how much did you find yourself sitting in the variety of chairs you sat in for, uh, I mean, hell, you interviewed him in multiple places, and think to yourself, oh, wow, I, I, I I didn't know he would go there. I didn't think he'd share that. Um, to your last point, yes. <clears throat> uh, there's, there were times when I did not think he would go there. He would not verbalize. He would not say what other people might think, but it's going to come out of his mouth. Uh, listen, uh, Peyton Manning had a very kind of funny but uh, accurate comment. He, he said something along the lines of, Jim does a run-on sentence better than anyone. There's a lot of commas and semicolons, but not a lot of periods. Jim likes to talk at stream of consciousness as an interviewer. It's sort of anathema to interrupt somebody. But I, I was even kind of given some uh, advice, quote-unquote quote unquote advice by the Colts brain trust. you got to interrupt him because he's going <laughs> to kind of go off ramps like seven times in one response. But amidst a lot of Jim's rambling are some real gems, and you got to listen hard, uh, and you have to you have to wait for them, and you have to follow up with them. Yes, I've known Jim for several decades, but uh, I think that no matter how much prep work you do, that it's never the same as having somebody in the chair, and in Jim's case, in multiple chairs and multiple places. And the other thing, guys, as I think you'll you'll acknowledge, is that. He's been profiled in print, but I think this is, excuse me, I think this is probably the first long-form TV news magazine 
segment that he's done. And television is just different. You get to see someone, you get to hear someone, you get to look in their eyes, and you get to have a different feel for what somebody is thinking and saying when when you actually hear it. She is the Pro Football Hall of Famer. She's Andrea Kramer. Again, you can find this tonight, 10 o'clock. You can stream it on HBO. Find it on HBO or HBO Max. You can stream it. Find it on HBO as well. Uh, you brought up Peyton Manning. I, I'll be totally honest with you. You know, I've covered the Colts for over a decade now. If you had told me, okay, Jim Irsay's going to have a tell-all, if you will, and, you know, kicking the stigma, obviously, has been such a prominent thing over the last few years. I would have said, oh, wow, uh, that's a, a, a tad surprising, but not the most shocking thing in the world, because I think Jim Irsay really, to your point, wants to be public with this. If you would have told me, though, that Peyton Manning would have sat down with you and not just make a cameo, I mean, you asked him several questions that I was yeah. frankly stunned that Peyton a- answered, because I view Peyton in such a politician, especially in regards to Ursay and the Colts. So if you don't mind, walk us through your interactions in getting Peyton Manning to say yes and answer some of the questions that you tossed his way. I, have to, I completely agree with you. Uh, believe it or not, We were sitting in the green room at Lucas Oil Stadium waiting for Jim to arrive for the the big concert that we were with him at, uh, the kickoff concert. And my amazing producer, Maggie Burbank, says, why don't, we tr- why don't we try to reach out to Peyton? And I look at her as though she has four heads. <laughs> and I said, no, no, I'm, I'm serious. And I, you know, I, I know Peyton, obviously, and, you know, worked with him his whole career, covered him his whole career. And I said, there's no way. I, I, I mean, there's, there's no way. But I live in a world, we live in a world where ask the worst somebody could say is no. And truthfully, guys, I emailed Peyton directly. You know, not through any handlers. I emailed Peyton directly. But then a half an hour, he responded back. I'm in. What's your deadline? Wow. We come to Denver. Do you want to do it at my office? Do you want to do it at the Broncos? What do you want to, how much time do you need? And I was stunned. Hmm. And because to, a bit to your point, as we know, Peyton has, uh, no surprise, developed this media empire, but he still doesn't do a lot of one-on-one sit-down interviews. And I think that it speaks to the relationship he has with Jim, the respect he has for Jim, and that he did uh, make the comments that he did and answer what he did and show the humor that, that he did. Uh, but I, I think my, my impression, and, and I'm not, I, I never really like sharing my impression about a story because it's all about you guys. It's about the audience and what you guys think. I will say, though, that I, I feel that the, the care that, and love that he has for, for this man is, is pretty evident. And, uh, but... Uh, but Certainly, he was he was as candid as uh, as I would ever hope for. Andrea Kramer with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, just fantastic stuff for sit down with Jim Mercy again. Ten o'clock tonight on HBO. You can find that the arrest nine years ago in Carmel. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know if it's combative, tense is the way that I would put it. When you're sitting there, when that interaction happens, what are you thinking, and what did you make of that part of the interview? Obviously, at least locally. That is, you know, already becoming a story. Some of his quotes. Yeah, look. Uh, to Jim's credit, when he agreed to the story, he volunteered to me without me even having to say anything. I'm all in. You can ask me whatever you want. Hmm. And truthfully, that is a uh, that is a credo at Real Sports, which we we always say, which is we have to ask. You don't have to answer. But we we never set parameters on interviews. Because you can't, once you sort of open 
journalistically. Once you open that Pandora's box, you, you just can't close it. You can't promise anybody you're not going to ask something. Again, it's up to the subject to want to talk about it. So we, we certainly, uh, it was clear where we were going to go. You're, you're telling, we're not doing his life story, but we're certainly telling a story that has a timeline, and that does include it. And we had to ask him about it. And again, I, I can't say what I was anticipating, <laughs> but in terms of uh, his reaction, he was very vociferous about it. Uh, what we see in the story is, is obviously, a, 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 I think, a significant exchange with Jim, but he doubled down on it. I mean, my, my follow-up question to him, I don't want to say it gave him an opening to hear his words and maybe amend them, but he chose not to do that. And he, it's the one time in the interview that he did get very, very animated. And I, I want to, I, I don't know if I want to characterize it as angry. Again, let, let you and the viewers can decide that. But he kept saying it over and over again, what he, his contention. So it wasn't a one-off. And um, we wanted to absolutely make sure that it was portrayed as accurately as it was. Because again, we have to ask the questions he has to give. He has to speak his truth, and that's the point. Is he spoke what he says are his facts and is his truth? And um, again, at the end of the day, I, I just give somebody anybody a ton of credit for doing that, but I give extra plaudits to someone of his stature who is going to say the things that he did. And again, it's not. It's not that I just questioned him on. Did this happen this way? It's do you know how this is going to sound? And that's when he really doubled down. Yes, and I don't care because I know it's it's the truth. Again, I at the end of the day, I just give him a lot of credit for his honesty. Okay, that was Andrea Kramer. You will find the entire fifteen minute clip coming up uh, tonight, ten o'clock. Um, my jaw dropped several great. times, Andy, during the sneak peek of it last night, and I really enjoyed Andrea's time with us this morning on that, so appreciate her uh, for taking some time with us. Rick Carlisle on the podcast as well, Dio Dangbo, a loaded show here on a Tuesday, and again, as we've talked about all week long, it's appointment viewing all week long. Tonight, uh, you're going to be going back and forth a little bit. 7.30, Pacers and Hawks, 8 o'clock, Purdue and Tennessee. That is a top 10 matchup from Honolulu, so uh, especially eager to see how India in response tonight. Let's go, Bally's. Function. Let, let's they go. have been functioning You say lately. Pacers tonight, you'll be flipping back and forth. <laughs> I hope I'm flipping back and forth, KB. Touche. Everybody have a great Tuesday. We'll talk to you one final time this week tomorrow.